Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast, the year is 2006. Yes, this is the podcast where we put on our time Ray-Bans and travel back through time, have a look at the pop number ones and, you know, the subsequent events surrounding them from a year in history via the ARIA charts, the Australian Recording Industry Association charts. And yep, as you say, this year is 2006. Absolutely, Tom. Now, look, um, the last few weeks we've had a lot of songs, sort of 20 songs or a lot on the, mm-hmm. the podcast. We have less this, this episode, just a yep. spoiler alert for the fans out there, less songs. But I know everyone that listens demands four hours of content <laughs> each week. They want four hours, they want no less than four hours, which is why um, I've, uh, I've got a few news stories up and you've got a few as well, sure. correct? Please so we can sort me. of throw those out there and that'll you know we can pad this out you know because if it only goes for three and a half hours people will be demanding (laughs) some sort of refund despite the fact that this is free but it's all good so tom 2006 if you can believe it 16 years ago i know i can't Mm. um steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter died oh my goodness was that 16 years ago he was stabbed in the in the heart by uh some sort of um, manta ray yes. or stingray and passed away and it was weirdly simultaneously an extremely unlikely event yep. in that it is a very uh, non-aggressive creature with it doesn't it has no no poison no venom or anything like that you have to be it has like one spike on its tail you'd have to be very very unlikely for this to happen but simultaneously his entire career was based around Annoying wild animals. It was bound that to could happen. potentially kill him. So yeah, the surprise was merely that it was a relatively placid animal, and not that he ended up with his entire head bitten off by an alligator. A Komodo dragon yeah. or something like that. So, can you remember where you were, Tom, when you? <laughs> were you just... I think I was watching the immediate uh, landslide of TV tributes to our Steve. And, yeah, you know, absolutely Americans, right. Because Americans liked him as well, so they we needed double the tributes. We did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, look, I think I, yeah, I was probably trolling YouTube to try and find <laughs> the actual video of him dying. but It's kind of sad, though. I mean, he really was loved, and, you know, and he had three kids, too. That's not well, That's the either. thing, larger-than-life character, so it was sad. Did um, he have three kids? Or two I believe kids? so. I think he had maybe two or three. I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure, but... You're right, completely. He it, it went out doing what he loved, I guess. Yeah, so. same as Warney. He went did. out doing what he loved. Some hookers in Thailand and a bunch of coke. Exactly. Sorry, I mean he had a heart attack in Thailand. Of course, yeah. We, we, um, well, they don't put um, <laughs> Ladyboy Gangbang on the, That's right. on, on the death certificate. You've got to read between the lines in you the do. obituary to get to Absolutely that. right. So that was big news, sad news. Um, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes got married. Oh, okay. Yes. By a Scientology minister, which <laughs> translates as an out-of-work actor um, who had done enough auditing <laughs> to get all be the two things out. <laughs> so that was big news at the time. Um, 2016 years on, no one probably 
Do people still like Tom Cruise, don't they? I assume they I do. think they probably like his, his more now, yep. weirdly. He's kind of passed through this zone of... For a while there, everybody was con- convinced he was just a closeted nutbag, yep. you know, and hadn't done... And then, then, you know, the Mission Impossible films really took off and, you know, people got to like his single-minded dedication to hurting himself in every film. And Definitely right. You know, what's he going like, to... Kind of like Jackie Chan, you know. What's yep. he going to hurt next? Who knows? He is the new Jackie Chan, I feel, <laughs> Tom Cruise. I've always referred to him as the white Jackie Chan. Um, you know, I don't get a lot of play with that, but people say, what are you talking about? Yeah. But he is. I think also the fact that I don't think I've ever heard a single person have an, a bad story about working with him. No. So if he is a... Cl- I mean, God knows what it's like to be married to him. Don't get me wrong. I haven't been inside the Scientology sub-sub-basement. No. But um, apparently, it, like to all intents and purposes in public, he can't... He just seems, you know, like... He doesn't even crack the shits of people in interviews. He doesn't, yeah. He just seems to be unfailingly nice to everyone. So I guess if you do that, you kind of... It's hard for people to really hate you. He does hate psychiatrists, though, so I'm sure... Well, that's part of the whole deal, though, isn't it? If you're a psychiatrist, he'd probably give it to you um, hard. But how much time do you think he spends at the Scientology headquarters in in Ascot Vale in Melbourne? um, (laughs) We're mere minutes from there now. Yes, I used to walk past there a lot, and I never saw him, although I did look in their windows quite often, which was easy to do because they keep them fully open with the lights on 24 hours a day. Yep just to quash those rumours of exactly the sort of stuff we're just insinuating happens there. What's Katie Holmes up to these <laughs> days? Is she Did she shoot herself in the foot by getting married to Tom Cruise? Did it, think... did it ruin her career? Because once you try and get out of Scientology, <laughs> mm. uh, she's never worked again. I think there's a, there's a distinct <laughs> link there. There's a positive correlation, mm. I think, between Possibly. <laughs> separating from Scientology <laughs> And not having any work as a paid actress ever well, again. We'll have to look. wait for that Dawson's Creek reboot. It's oh, 100% going to happen. So. If there's a Dawson's Creek reboot and she's missing from it, then you know mm. that the Scientologists have got to the producers of that show. She was in the first of the new Batman films. Oh. But then she didn't come back. No. So maybe the Scientologists found out about that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> um, as long as she's still alive, that's the main thing. Speaking of people not being alive... Um, <laughs> News Corp shelved the OJ If I Did It book. Oh, you remember nice. that back yes. in the time. Yep. People probably are like, what's that about? But um, if you don't know, OJ Simpson was going to release that book where he talked about, you know, oh, I didn't kill my wife, but if I did, here's mm. how I would have done it. Um, is it that seems <laughs> like... it needed some spare cash. And, yeah. yeah. So News Corp decided not to publish that. That's a little bit of a sort of editorial turn that you I don't usually expect from those guys. No, like, I Rupert think... just usually publishes anything. Yes, that was only because of public pressure, I yep. think, you know. what Nowadays, people would be going on about how OJ had been unfairly cancelled and, you know, yeah. it was the bloody left-wing um, woke jihad had, you know, got on top of him and stopped our OJ from putting his thoughts forward but absolutely yeah. back in those days people just thought oh this is astonishingly tasteless as fuck and even uh, news corp went yeah no you're right this is pretty dodgy even by our standards <laughs> i think <laughs> of which the, we have none the so. cover design was released as well i think this was part of it as well oh, yeah. it was just a great big picture of his head and it said oj simpson i did it and then if you looked really carefully up in the left there was a tiny little red if yep. hiding in the corner so <laughs> Is it like no. Chemist Warehouse where it has cheapest prices and then there's yes. like really small possibly in front <laughs> yes. of that? So and I think it wasn't just trick. public outcry. It was also relatives of the people that got murdered yeah. that were also like, um, do you want to maybe dial it back a bit on this? 
<laughs> it seems like it, at the time and even now it seems like a wild idea to publish <laughs> such a book. But mm. uh, look, that was simpler times, 2006. So, Tom, any new stories that stood out for oh, you? I've just chosen yeah, the stupidest shit no, I can think um, of. Similarly uh, well-liked people, Saddam Hussein was sentenced to death and oh. hung by a jeering crowd, yep. uh, achieving the dubious 21st century distinction of first dictator to get sloppily executed on camera phone. Ah, yeah. Previously, that was more of a you know word-of-mouth <laughs> type of deal. Uh, what else? Uh, Australia on fire, yawn, conservative government attacks, international climate reports. Oh, in good news, a $415 million eight-year US study found that a low-fat diet does not decrease the risk of heart disease, cancer, or stroke. Oh. Many in the medical community called the results stunning and then went back to deciding whether coffee was good for you or not, something they've changed their minds about at least 630 times in my lifetime alone. Where are they on that at the moment, Tom? Is uh, it, they, have you got a coin bad? I could borrow? <laughs> yeah. Well, flip that and then Find have out. a cup of coffee. Uh, in music, the one billionth song was downloaded on iTunes. Sweet. Uh, unfortunately, the song was Speed of Sound by Coldplay. I'm assuming <laughs> oh, it gets fuck. really good after the 999,999th <laughs> listen. Uh, the final episode of Top of the Pops was broadcast after 42 years of light-hearted Jimmy Savile-hosted fun. Yeah. And Madonna began her worldwide confessions tour, which went on to gross a total of 260 million US, which is the single highest grossing tour in history by a female artist, which was not bad for someone who people had been declaring past it for at least a decade yep. by that point. Uh, and lastly, James Brown is dead. Did they re-release that single <laughs> after James I Brown I was waiting died? for it. I'm pretty sure it got played on uh, Rage, but yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Not sure whether it got played at his funeral, but... Yeah. Oh, you would have hoped so. Just like that Tism song was played at River Phoenix's mm, funeral, I assume. That's so. right. And I think, uh, what's his name, was there beatboxing to <laughs> the guy from... Joel Turner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, biggest films of the year. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest... Oh, God, was that uh, the don't, second don't, one? Don't, don't, I don't okay, think I've yeah. seen that one. Um, I tapped out after the, halfway through the first one, I think, on a plane. Um, cars, for those uh, kids that first like that. Bad Pixar film. <laughs> X-Men, The Last Stand, and uh, The Da Vinci Code. So, all oh, good at cinema there. Did you, you saw The Da Vinci Code, Tom? No. I managed to never see it or read the book. But, yeah, that's uh, good work, yeah. yeah. I, I think I had it spoiled for me by too many people describing accurately what happens in it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. No, I, I saw a reworking of it, the Da Vinci Load, which is a sort of a very tasteful sort of um, sure. reimagining of that film. So, uh, <laughs> Who was playing the Tom Hanks role in the Da Vinci? <laughs> <laughs> Rocco <laughs> Shafridi. <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody unknown, um, but... With a massive penis, I believe. Oh, it's so, a yeah. joke about that. What is it? Magnificent feminine or something? <laughs> it was in the quiz, Josh made it. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, so there's, there's some extra news. Yes, there you go. There you go, a little bit more than usual, just to sort of so people can paint a mental picture mm. of what 1996 was like. Um, so, yeah, look, moving on to the music. Yes. People were, right now, they were thinking, should I listen to my one billion and first? 
the listen of Speed of Sound by Coldplay or should I listen to the first well, song of the year? Yeah, first song of the year, oh, it's, it's Lee Harding Wasabi slash Eye of the Tiger oh, for three me. more weeks. We oh. talked about Lee last week. Um, Give me some reggae, I yeah, believe Axel would say. Look, the thing is that um, I felt that last week we talked about Lee and I wanted to, you know, not just paint a picture of, I think he's just known as that idol guy and I sort of felt a bit yes. bad about that. And there's a little bit more to him than that. So <laughs> I thought, look, you know, I don't want to shit on someone. So I'm going to go and do a little bit more research, Tom. Just, sure. we're not going to talk about this for very long, but I feel like I sort of really needed to just go, oh, I've taken the stance that if they've been on Idol, they're terrible. But I think what I want to demonstrate is that they're terrible, you know, regardless of them being on <laughs> Idol. It's not the yes. Idol thing that made them bad. It's just that they were, you know, not great. So, but what about Lee? Maybe his material is a lot better. Maybe he is a good performer. Maybe, you know, I've just given him a little bit of a tough time before actually doing the research. So I found this quote, um, Tom, where Lee has said, people just feel the need to scream it at me everywhere. I've heard it almost every day and by that he's talking about his song wasabi so sure. he says whenever i walk down the street people are always screaming wasabi at me it happens almost every day etc etc now i doubt the authenticity of this story tom <laughs> and the reason is that i saw a picture of lee harding recently and he looks almost nothing like he did in in the wasabi days he's grown his hair out long yeah. Um, he doesn't have like weird tips in it. He's not wearing eyeshadow, those sorts of things. So the only way that someone is actually saying to Lee Harding, oh, Wasabi, oh, it's Lee Harding Wasabi, is if he's wearing a T-shirt that says, I am Lee Harding, the <laughs> singer of Wasabi. If he's wearing that shirt, then I certainly suggest that perhaps people are coming up to him and saying, are you the guy that's saying Wasabi? Mm. But apart from that, I couldn't pick him out from a police lineup. And nothing about that story is true whatsoever. So he's <laughs> I, a liar. I believe that people yelled wasabi derogatorily at him in the weeks following his idol thing. But yeah. Absolutely. But the, in the, the preceding idol. 16 years, yeah. no. There's no way that he's I, walking I, down the street in 2022 <laughs> and someone's going, wasabi, it's like, it's not happening. And Lee's also said, quote, when I was young, I did then what I wanted to do. I've been to Russia to sing. I've entertained the troops in Iraq. Now, that raises a few questions. One, when he went to Russia, was he performing to Putin and was it his performance that led to the invasion of yeah, the Ukraine? Yeah, I was thinking a similar thing. And how about the fact that Iraq remained in turmoil for another 15 years after Saddam Hussein got his head yanked off? Yeah, exactly. What, explain that without using Lee Harding's performance there. I think so. I think that Lee Harding performing does ultimately <laughs> lead to war and I don't think that I can condone... That. No. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore, Tom. <laughs> Moving on. Sure. Thanks, Lee. Okay. So first new song of the year, Chris Brown featuring Jules Satana. Is it Jules? Jules Santana. Santana. Run it with an exclamation mark. Mm -hmm. Getting me pumped up. So yeah. this is the first appearance on the podcast from wife beater Chris Brown. Mm. Now, punching Rihanna in the face didn't seem to derail his career as much as one would have expected. No. And he's still working in the industry today. Uh, he also compared his relationship to Rihanna to that of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if he's read Romeo and Juliet or, you know, at least seen the Baz Luhrmann film Romeo and Juliet. But I wouldn't say their relationship is anything like Romeo and Juliet. For one, they're both still alive. So, yeah, I don't know. Despite his best efforts. 
<laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Chris, it, it does seem strange to me that a lot of people have been cancelled over the years for sort of yes. things that, you know, let's face Much it. Much less than A lot less than this. Yeah. Um, yet he's sort of admitted that and people have seen the photos. People well, know what he's he done. He was in and the pre-Me Too era. Well, that's yeah. the thing, I guess, yeah. But then unlike someone like Mike Tyson or something, he didn't actually serve time or do any suffer any consequences for his actions. So. Yeah. But yeah. look, I, I think the thing that we need to remember is as well that this did take place some time ago, you know, sort of 15 years ago at this stage. People do live, they do learn, they do change. Mm-hmm. He has admitted that, you know, he's done the wrong thing and I think that he's sort of yep. grown as an individual. Um, yeah, so since this sort of time, yeah, he has lived, he has learned, he's been really good. I think he's overcome his problems, he's turned a new page, he's really controlled his anger, worked on his anger management, and look, you know, he's slipped a few times, but that's bound to happen. Like when he was asked about the incident on TV in 2011, and then off air punched a window, took off his shirt, confronted the producer of the show, and left the building shirtless. Or when he was involved in a scuffle with Drake at a nightclub in 2012 where a professional basketball player had to have glass surgically removed from his eye. Or in 2013 where he was involved in an altercation with Frank Ocean after a parking space and threatened to shoot him. Or that time he was involved allegedly in a hit and run in LA. Or when he was arrested for felony assault in Washington refusing to take a photo with someone. Or in 2014, when he was sent to prison for violating the rule, uh, the rules while he was in rehab. 2016, when a woman called the police as Chris had threatened her with a gun. Or when the cops tried to search his house as part of his parole condition. Um, and that he can't have guns, but he wouldn't let them in there. So there was a standoff with the SWAT team. <laughs> or in 2017, when Chris punched a man who took his photo without his permission. Or in early 2022, uh, a woman sued Chris, accusing him of raping her on a yacht but he does deny these allegations. So look, we've all been there. We have. These are yeah. all minor incidents. Probably um, blown up by the press. Yeah, exactly. Know. And I'm just glad that he's turned over a new leaf after the whole Rihanna thing. Mm, so good for him. Mm, yes. Much like Floyd Mayweather, we have to take into account that, you know, world-class talents often exist in a state of sort of, you know, an almost innocent childlike wonder. And they yep. can't always be expected to remember trivial social mores. You know, and that's when we sort of us talentless mortals need to, you know, sometimes gently step in and say, hey, hey there, tiger. Remember, it's bad manners to beat up that woman you're raping. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, like, yeah. they can't be expected to keep those things top of mind. For sure, for sure. And I think that's right. I think as a society, we're the ones that need to... So it's our fault, in a sense, for not yes, reminding we, you of we, It's us who failed. Us and society really failed Chris there for, you know... Yeah, definitely. I'd like to find out more about when he threatened Frank Ocean over a parking space with a gun. <laughs> I feel like that's That was of, one um, of the few ones that I remembered, because yeah. it's so odd. The rest of them I somehow managed to miss. I thought I would have remembered him being a off with a SWAT team. But yeah, but look, yeah. I think that's the thing. Those things don't make the news because with Chris, it happens so frequently. That's it's just right. like, stand yeah. up for the SWAT team, don't worry. Look, unfortunately, due to his criminal record, he can't enter Australia or New Zealand. That is a so, shame. That look, is a real shame. I'm either going to have to wait for him to tour Southeast Asia and fly over there to see Chris in person, or there's a market <laughs> for an Anipodean Chris Brown impersonator. So... <laughs> You know, I'd do it, but we know the you know public's view on blackface. So maybe an out of work Michael Jackson impersonator 
could take on the role of a Chris Brown impersonator yeah. because I believe that Chris Brown has, um, <laughs> like about 18,000 other people, been called the new Michael Jackson. That's true. I, I reckon uh, you and Chris Lilly could make it work. <laughs> yeah. I think what with the current geopolitical chaos, I think if there's one thing the world needs right now, it's a Chris Brown x Chris Lilly collab. Yeah. Collab, I reckon, you know, with you know you, you writing the jokes, I don't see how that could go wrong. You know, something to bring people together, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, until they get that hologram stuff happening and get a Chris Brown hologram <laughs> down here, that's the best next option, I think, myself mm. or Chris Lilly or both of us just sort of taking it one night on, one night off sort of mm. thing, doing a bit of a Chris Brown performance. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if I can dance as well as Chris, <laughs> but look, a few lessons, I think it should be good to go. Sure. So, Look, last episode we talked about Akon, um, all of his business ventures. Yes. He's got a lot happening, yeah. as we know. Building diamond mines. Yeah, diamond mine. <laughs> Building Imaginary an entire city. Imaginary cities that don't yeah. exist. Acoin, yep. that cryptocurrency that's... Um, invented a flying car. Exactly. Yep. So, But Chris is also a businessman, so I should oh, okay. point that out as well. Um, he purportedly owns 14 Burger Kings. Okay. And has his own breakfast cereal, Breezy's Cosmic Crunch. Mm. So it's got snap, crackle, and pop your girlfriend in the face because she's exactly. mouthing off. Yeah, look, it's not quite building your own city, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> no. Fourteen Burger Kings is is sick, I think. So good on Chris. <laughs> so the song. Do, do we need to talk about the song itself? Yeah, you might as well mention it. Um, yeah, so the song uses part of the waitress's nineteen eighty single. Oh. I know what boys like. Which is um, a significantly better song Fuck than this. Yeah, man. That is a new wave classic. It is. I, yeah. I forgot how good that was. I went back and re-listened to it. It's got uh, multiple sax breaks yeah, for one it thing. Does, it's, yeah. it's a real new wave slash punk thing. As far as I know, also the waitresses remain free of rape allegations. Yeah, they do. So well, but, uh, I yeah. think if you had to choose between listening <laughs> to this song and the original, um, you, you'd be a fool to choose this. It's been covered a lot and used in various other things. So this isn't a straight cover. No, no. But it borrows, yeah. But sort of in the chorus, I think it sort of borrows the, um, the yeah. phrasing and, and etc. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, yeah, I don't think it samples it, but yeah, certainly... Um, yes, uses I that just as a mean, basis. It's not one of those hip hop songs, which is basically a cover, but they've reworked, reworked yeah, where it. Where he this does a rap in, yeah. the, in the bridge. Yeah, exactly. So that's a lot better song than this. And this, the actual song of this, despite the waitress's connection, it just sounds like someone listened to Usher Yeah and said, oh, let's just make something that sounds exactly like that. Exactly. But minus like the crunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Outside of a dance floor, this is... Uh, Weak as piss, really. Santana oh. is playing the tough rap part, but his rhymes aren't great. And he looks like he works in laptop repair during the week, frankly. <laughs> Chris Brown plays the JT role, doing the sexy verses. Yep. Except he sounds about as sexy as you expect from a man wearing two large diamond earrings and a 4XL wife beater. <clears throat> also, there's a kind of R&B bridge, which sucks, obviously, but even more so given that Chris Brown is no boys to men, at least at this stage, so he needs to be auto-tuned to shit just to hit the notes, even. That might have also have something to do with him being 16 yeah. on this track, like he's still got acne in the video, literally. Maybe he couldn't concentrate on the vocals because he was too worried about not randomly barring up in the studio. That's true, I yeah. Know. I mean, 16 is young to be doing this level of posturing, I reckon. You know? Absolutely right. I mean, crisscross pull her off, but there aren't many crisscrosses around. No, know? that's true. I think that's why 
you know, you forget about Chris Cross being so young and so talented at such a young mm. age, Tom. So that's mm. right. Warm it up. Miss the bus. All those songs, fantastic. They managed so. to avoid uh, beating people up too, as far as I know. But uh, yeah, no, he, he is very young. I forgot how young he was, basically, yeah. is what I'm saying. But, yeah. Um, does Chris Brown have a face tattoo these days? I feel like he probably does. Uh, if he doesn't, he'd have some certain high neckline sort of I'm bordering sure, on the yeah. face action. Various, a whole variety of heavy metal going on across the teeth region. Yeah. Last time I saw him, I think he had his hair dyed pink on one side and dyed blue on the other oh, side. Good. So, yeah. That's good. That's good. So nice. Um, so, yeah. So he was only 16 then. So he's probably, yeah. he's only like 30 now, but he's been around for a Yeah, no, years. he's like, I think he's 32 yep. or so, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Um, this must have some lyrical highlights. Um, you'll <laughs> see, girl, I can set you off. Don't believe my age is going to slow us down. Mm. I can definitely show you things to have you saying I can't be 16. Once I get in, you won't let go. I'll have the girls wishing they were you. I know you heard about me, but guess what's going down if we leave? Hmm. All right. Uh, how about you get kicked out of the nightclub for being underage? Yeah. Your mum drives us home. Uh, you take me upstairs to your bedroom, show me your favourite Buffy posters, and then try to beat me up when I laugh at them. Something yeah. like that. Maybe that'd be so. my guess. Yeah, definitely. I think there would certainly be. Um, was the OC on at this time? I mean, it'd be sort of. Probably <laughs> yes, some, it was yep. because there's a song later on this year. <laughs> yes, in fact, of course. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, probably back to my house for some OC. For some OC. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. That and maybe some Breezy's Cosmic Crunch for dinner because you know <laughs> sure. Chris Brown does Stop something like one of his Burger King. Yeah, definitely. Let's get some Burger King. I own this one. You know, you can upsize the fries for free. That one's on me, girl. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that. Look, um, two cents, this will set you back. Worth every penny. And 35 million people listen to Chris Brown on Spotify. That is a depressing amount, and a depressing number of them are women as well, but, you know, yeah, not it, even going to touch that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, found, I find his career... I'm not going to say ascension because I, I don't think he's gone <laughs> up, but I'd certainly say the fact that he still has a career... Strange. I do find that strange. I don't think he troubled the top 10 in Australia much more than this, but I could be wrong about that. Look, separating the art from the artist, is this music so good that you're just like, look, I know that he's a wife beater, but this is so good that I can't not listen to it. It sounds like a B-level JT featuring Usher knockoff, oh, yeah. like except neither of them are as good. Definitely you know? no. At this at this stage, I I would certainly refer to Chris Brown as an off-brand Usher. So mm. um, I would say, come at me, Chris. I I'll know take you... Chris Cross over Chris Brown. Oh frankly. no doubt. I've got that T-shirt that says Chris Cross <laughs> greater than Chris Brown. So I'm wearing it right now. So look up next, Tom, for one week Eminem. When I'm gone. Ah, this was my. I had forgotten this one. I had to. In fact, I don't even know if I'd heard this. I had to go back and... Uh, well, this is one of his emotional songs where he yes. raps about not getting to spend enough time with his kid or some shit. So, ben, you're a dad. Yeah. What is it? Genuinely, what is it with Bogans and getting their kids tattooed on themselves? 
I don't know. That's a very good question. Have you ever felt the need to get two life-size portraits of your children on your arm? Look, I think if I was in a car accident, Tom, and, and suffered some, <laughs> had like an acquired brain injury mm-hmm. where I might not be able to remember day-to-day things like the names of my children, uh, what they look like, my wife's name, where I live, yep. etc. Sort of like a Guy Pierce in Memento type situation, <laughs> but sort of with sort of extreme brain damage. Maybe then, maybe I'd probably get the names of my kids tattered on there so I could look down and go, ah, and then I could... Say and I've got a fifth. I've got two kids, so I'd have a fifty-fifty yes. chance of getting it right. So, so you think this is sort of bogan planning for the future? That they're even if they haven't reached that stage yet, they're looking ahead, thinking in somewhere between now and ten years' time, I am going to smash my head on the curb, falling out of a taxi yep. after having thirteen. Woodstock cans <laughs> exactly on my way back from the footy at yep. still daytime after the races or whatever yep. and I'm going to need these tattoos and by then I won't necessarily be able to describe no. to the guy very well because I'll be down to single syllables at that point I won't be able to tell the tattooers the names of my children mm. so I'm going to need to get it done now so. I, I, that does make sense I yeah. see look I think it's um, well Eminem's gone that path by the way not only does he do it but he brags about doing it, it yeah, it always struck me as protesting a bit too much. It seemed yep. to me the people most likely to forget their own children's names are the ones most likely to get them tattooed on a gothic script eight <laughs> inches high. <laughs> I don't know what what's worse. Is it the the kids' names in the gothic script on the arm? Is it the established nineteen ninety two tattoos? You know where people get the, <laughs> oh, the year of their birth tattooed on them. <laughs> um, is it like a Moby style animal rights? face tattoo or is it the Travis Barker style under the eye blessed tattoo I don't know which one's worse I think the face tattoo that says blessed is so it's bland I I think it's like having an Instagram tag on your face forever yeah if you want to get a face tattoo faces one is pretty bad because at least with the names it's just names but with the faces Unless the tattoo artist is world class, it really never really looks much like the person. No. You know, especially not after you've put on twenty pounds <laughs> from all those Woodstock cans. And everything's exactly. gone a bit saggy around there. Yeah. Look, I think if you're getting the face tattoo and it really, really, really means something to you, like I might not necessarily agree with that, but if it really means something to you, at least I can go, okay, that means something to you. But mm. just blessed, it's like <laughs> the fucking stupidest shit I can imagine. So, I don't know. But he's, he's going out with one of the Kardashians, so he obviously knows what he's doing. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. Probably not going to get those kids' names tattooed on, on, the, on the arms just yet. Just yet. But wait and see. Wait and see what happens if I'm in an accident with a yeah. diminished brain capacity. We'll see. Well, yes. The music video, uh, what happens Well, here? the music video, this... He's, he's like rapping in an AA meeting ah, or something yes. like that. Yep. I, don't, I don't know whether it's an AA. It's certainly one. It's like a help group yes. sort of scenario. Yep. They don't specify where it's AA or sort of, you know, like um, some sort of, you know, violent sort of situation, yep. you know, anger management. Group, yeah. You don't know what it is, but it's a support group of some kind. Now, he gets up and starts rapping. Do you think that's ever happened in real life? <laughs> Someone's just stepped up to the mic at an AA meeting and spat a few bars? <laughs> I can't imagine it has. And if it has, it's just like, I'm on the Woodstock 12. Yeah, I've got to get back my health. People are like going, fucking hell, just get down. Because at the end of this, people like they're all clapping like, woo, yeah. yeah. I'm just like going, I don't I, know. I think it's more likely to happen at Narcotics Anonymous maybe because judging from several Trump rally videos I've seen, half the meth heads in America think that they're the notorious B.I.G. <laughs> instead true. of uh, notoriously D-E-L-U-D-E-D. Yeah. 
but yeah, I don't know why, but something about, you know, a bunch of COVID denying white people makes them just want to throw down and start dropping rhymes. It's yeah. really weird. I think I never, I would not have picked that crossover. Like I don't naturally associate, unless there's a huge meth underground meth rap scene that I haven't yeah. come across. I knew cough syrup was a thing. I didn't yeah. think, I mean, it does speed you up, I guess, you know, you've got, that's got true. a lot of energy yeah. <laughs> to work on rhymes. <laughs> But it's sort of like if you ever on, if you watch on YouTube something like All Gas No Breaks or, you know, Channel 5, yes. the new one, it doesn't matter where the dude goes to, whether it's at the beach, you yep. know, NASCAR, <laughs> football game, an actual music concert, every single time he comes across at least one or two people that will just start spitting bars mm-hmm. at him. Every and these time. people are very <laughs> rarely black. <laughs> and it's always <laughs> terrible. So it just seems to, it doesn't matter where you show up in America, there's yeah. just someone that so thinks of the next episode. What M&M. I'm saying is maybe at Narcotics Anonymous, they're quite familiar with people maybe they have to you're only allowed to have three and a half minutes on stage yeah. because otherwise people try and do a whole mixtape yeah. <laughs> if you're not rapping people are like going what's up with this what, this guy's just talking this is insane you gotta, you gotta speed it up you gotta get those rhymes out there so look um, this is I think one of the reasons I, I, I was the same as you Tom I was like what the fuck is this and I listened to it and went this is vaguely familiar maybe I can remember this yeah. but it's, um, it's one of those greatest hits albums new songs that they do remember uh, that yes. shit I don't know whether yeah. they still do it these days but back in the day they'd say let's release a greatest hits album that pulls from like three albums so the diehard Eminem fans already own those three albums so yep. it's like how can we get them to buy this greatest hit song let's put one or two new songs on there so that those fuckers have to buy yep. it so look it's a record label scam you know when people talk about record labels suffering in 2022 you know there's generally indifference from people of a certain age because yep. they're just like Fair going age. look I, <laughs> for sure I'm sort of like look I want the artists to get money I absolutely want the bands that I like to get some money but record labels most of them couldn't give a fuck especially Especially the major labels where it's like, let's just try and get people to pay $35 for one Eminem song because yeah. they know the other ones. So, yeah. the Smiths put it, um, double pack with a photograph, extra track and a tacky badge. Yes. <laughs> Paint a vulgar picture that whole, whole song just about, okay, he's dead. How can we make as much money as possible quickly about an artist? Yeah. Anyway, the greatest hits here was called Curtain Call. Oh, yeah. And after this, he followed our expert advice spin from previous uh, ones and took a much needed four year break. Thank fuck. Yeah, no, he said, I was saying with his last hit from last year that he just looked really tired and just not that into it. Yeah, yeah. Which in the video, you know, so imagine what he was like behind the scenes. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, look, I was going to say, as a rapper yourself and father yep. of a small child, as Eminem was at this time, yep. how do you reckon that he spent that time? How, like, how would you spend your four-year career hiatus? Oh, point? look, I, I hope that he didn't get to work with D12. I hope that he just took a <laughs> look legit time away from music. But I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think... This song, he's rapping specifically about not spending enough time with his child. Yes. So I think that a part of me hopes that he just spent some time with his children. Yeah, but yes. he probably went and opened a spaghetti restaurant or <laughs> some or, you know, some clothing line or whatever the fuck fragrance. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't know, but that's the thing though, Tom. You can't turn creativity off. So perhaps while Eminem <laughs> wasn't there spitting bars at AA meetings, he just had to channel that mm. creativity 
in something else. Maybe he wasn't home thinking, yeah, I'll spend some more time with my daughter. After about three days, just went, oh, I'm I'm bored now. Let's go and try and get a fashion label up and running. He is one of those guys. I mean, he wasn't quite Chris Brown age, but he was very young when he did, um, what was it, Slim Shady. Yeah. No, what was was his first song? I'm The The Marshall Mathers one? Yeah. Yeah, like he was... I think he can't have been much out of his teens. So yep. this would probably be the first time he'd been, you know, yep. sort of, I don't know whether the record company gave him permission or he just went, fuck it. I'm just, I'm taking a break whether you want me to or not. And yeah, because I'm sure they would have been happy for him to keep cranking out albums because as this demonstrates, he's still writing number ones, even when they seem a bit half-assed and he doesn't even seem committed to it. He really yep. can't do anything wrong at this point. Like Correct. you say, uh, lyrically, the song is like a dodgy, parental ballad version of Lose Yourself. It even sounds a little bit similar, except instead of visualising his future success as a rapper, he's sort of trying to talk himself into being less of a shit husband and father, as he said. Uh, Given that he broke up with Kim for the second time this year, uh, maybe he should have used a more exciting song to try and convince himself of that. Uh, What have we got here? 60,000 people all jumping out their seat. The curtain closes. They're throwing roses at my feet. I take a bow and thank you all for coming out. They're screaming so loud. I take one last look at the crowd. I glance down. I don't believe what I'm seeing. Daddy, it's me. Help mummy. Her wrists are bleeding. But baby, we're in Sweden. How did you get to Sweden? Hmm. 2006 was a long time ago, so people have probably already forgotten about the time Eminem played the Stockholm Opera House and then was discovered hallucinating behind the curtains on stage by his suicidal wife and their teleporting daughter. I think it was covered up by Bill Gates at the time, but yeah. <laughs> the, so. the problem is it's really hard to isolate lyrics from that song because it's this, like Lose Yourself, it is a big kind of long narrative right from the start. Yeah. Which is actually quite, I mean, it is. he did write quite complicated songs. Like he's sort of, he's describing being on stage on tour and he keeps like, and he segs into like scenes of his, like, you know, things of his daughter doing stuff at home but then it's like his imaginings of what's happening and him feeling guilty and imposing guilt on himself but then he keeps switching back to him being on stage and being on tour and that sort of thing yeah so it's sort of like a kind of prolonged guilt trip about how bad he feels that he's not at home with his family but then he also sort of doesn't give himself any choice you know like it's kind of like lose yourself he keeps saying oh but this is the only thing I know how to do I have to keep doing this thing but yeah so I'm glad he at least took the part of his advice about not staying on tour forever (laughs) yeah Yeah, he took some time off you know just to to reassess like you say even if he'd been divorced multiple times I hope at least he hung out with his daughter a bit you'd hope so yeah (laughs) if you took four years off um, and you didn't do that given that he's just uh, the song that he wrote immediately before this was talking about that then, then something's gone awry but Anyway, look, um, this will cost you 60 cents on Discogs, um, cheaper than buying the Greatest Hits CD, so sure. let's go and do that. And 54 million people, uh, <laughs> he's got a lot. He's Eminem. one of our Talked highest about that. ones. Yeah. So in previous weeks, a lot of people get on the Spotify, probably not for this song though, they'd be listening to other stuff. No, they? no. the to... fact that it's 60 cents seems to indicate that it's not one yep. of his more beloved songs. Yeah, exactly. So, look, um, up next, Tom, is Bob Sinclair featuring Gary Pine Love Generation. Can I just say, I know this is an irritating thing to say, but I thought it was Bob Sinclair as well, but I think it's Bob Sinclair. Bob Sinclair, sorry. Yeah, no, I thought, I assumed it was Sinclair as well, but yeah. Bob Sinclair, that's cool. Let's call him Bob Sinclair. Everyone's everyone's (laughs) forgotten him already. I had to remind myself of this one. 
Yeah, look, Tom, you're a French DJ. Your name's uh, uh, Christopher Lafriant. Christopher mm. Lafriant. Christophe. Christophe Lafriant. And you need a DJ name. You can choose anything. Well, you can't choose DJ Cyberstorm. It's <laughs> taken, obviously. Um, as is Moby. You can't oh, take that. Damn it. But you can choose almost anything else. Why do you go with Bob Sinclair? That's... Well, what you, I think to a French DJ, Ben, Bob yep. Sinclair sounds strange and exotic. Okay. This is the phenomenon that Cal Barron identified where a Melbourne hipster leaves the cafe and says, ciao, while on the other side of the world there's a Sicilian model leaving a restaurant going, see ya. So true. To that, exactly. that French guy, you know, he thinks that Gary Amstrad sounds really <laughs> weird and exotic. You know? So he's run with that. Yeah, look, it's it's not the best DJ name I would have thought. No, no, it's a it's, shit it's, <laughs> In fact, it's total dog shit. And but... featuring Gary Pine, which sounds like some sort of air freshener. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. it's an obvious thing to say, but... Little Sorry, time. Gary Nestor Pine. Apparently, that was his. <laughs> that was his. Oh, I don't know if that's meant to go together or whether people just called him Nestor. But yeah. Oh, who knows? We'll find out. I guess uh, in due course. Um, once I've, I've done no research about Gary Pine. Sorry, no, Gary. Okay. Um, look, the creativity that um, Bob Sinclair put into his stage name is equivalent to the creativity he's put into this song. I'd say, <laughs> Tom, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. It's pretty shit. Um, but I'm not looking at this through objective eyes. As you know, my least favourite genre of music is white guy ragamuffin or that sort of reggae fusion bullshit. Yeah, um, look, he, he brings Gary Pine along for the ride, who um, I haven't done a lot of research, but he is from Jamaica. Gary yep. Pine is actually from Jamaica and was the front man of the Whalers Band for a period of time to add some legitimacy, but this is still bullshit. Um, I should also say that when Gary Pine fronted the Whaler Band, which is you know, a Bob Marley cash-in band, ah, let's face yeah. it, Bob Marley and the Whalers, but um, it was from 1998 to 2006, <laughs> so well after Bob yes. Marley's sort of reign in there. So even the legitimacy, sorry, that, um, look, Gary Pine brings his trash legitimacy. It's sort yeah. of like getting shifty from Crazy Town on a, <laughs> on a pop song to give it some hip-hop credibility, so... <laughs> Total garbage. Yeah, I looked him up briefly, but like you said, there really wasn't much interest in the report. Most no. of his, you know, post Whalers band career seemed to be this exact thing, e.g., doing sort of reggae-infused vocals on a variety of dance songs, because this this style had a sort of uh, you know a brief kind of time in the sun. This yep. sort of weird half dance music, half sort of cruisy, yep. chill stuff. Yeah, sort of. Music sounds better with you, you know, air, sort of some daft punk sort of things. I'm not doing it justice, but I know this, what you mean. What you style of it's not quite, it's not quite fast enough to dance to. You can do a sped up remix if you want, but it's not reggae either. It's, no, yeah, it's electronic music, but it's not what you would consider to be, as you said, anything that you can dance. It's it's dinner party in the back, yeah, or, or yes. at a cafe or something. Or day after something. music, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, bullshit is what it is. Yeah, it's not great. It's <laughs> Look, not. It's not offensively bad. No, but no. yeah, it's not great. Uh, this hit number one off the back of being featured in the 2006 FIFA World Cup. Uh, okay. So it's it's effectively Chumbawamba tum thumping for 2006. <laughs> I'd say Tom. So the World Cup version did feature the World Cup mascot, um, adding another layer of credibility to the track. It wasn't the official World Cup song though. That was the time. Of Our Lives, recorded by multinational operatic pop 
quartet Il Devo and American singer Tony Braxton. So, not a bit the, of trivia for you. Not the time of our lives from the last episode of Seinfeld. The, the <laughs> I, can hope, but okay. no. I hope it was an original Just song checking. and not that. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, look, if you can't remember this song, it's basically just all chorus of someone going, feel the love generation. Yeah. Which, even by the exceedingly fucking generous standards of pop music, would make it somewhere between 15 <laughs> and 50 years too late. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if that's what you're trying to remember, you know, because you're not going to remember Gary Brackett's Nesta Pine, are you? Yeah, I just assumed that this was a cover from about 1970. So, when I was. Yeah, that's I what found it sounds like. It wasn't, I was like, oh, this is 35. No, I did right. exactly the same thing. I thought, oh, this must be the chorus from some 60s song, and then they've added some beats to it. But yeah. No, it's it's apparently an original composition, which I think is somewhat worse than that. So, <laughs> I tried to find the video of Bob Sinclair performing with the World Cup mascot on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, that video. What is the be, World Cup mascot? Some line or something from. Uh, German okay. 2000, gotcha. like a German, like I can't even remember who it was, but yeah, something. And while I couldn't find that, I could find him performing it live in 2017. Um, it was just him up there with five chicks in identical outfits, all of them with sizable cans, <laughs> fully out with just a blue star sticker over their nipples. So oh, you've really buried the lead here, Ben. With yeah, so <laughs> it's a very, it's a classy performance that that Bob Sinclair puts on these sure, days. Sure, I guess they were feeling the love generation. They certainly were, yeah. Uh, lyrically, uh, this is credited to Bob, Gary Pine, and four other people somehow, but I'm guessing Jamaican Gary wrote the lyrics, uh, it's all love, you know, it's all love, from I and I to everyone, got to love, well, we got to love, yeah, there's no need to cry, eh, got to love, well, we got to love, yeah, got to live that love, you know what I'm talking about. Don't get hooked up on what you see, because the greatest thing is spirituality. Share that love. Come on. Got to share that love. Come on. Got to share that hope. Come on. Got to share the dreams. Hey. So remember, next time you're facing crippling mortgage debt, because 25 years of conservative economic policy means there hasn't been a real wage increase since you joined the workforce, just remember not to get hooked up on what you see, because the greatest thing is spirituality. It is true. Not any particular religion, just the concept of some sort of large farty cloud of vaguely benign gas surrounding you and Gary Pine's mum at all times (laughs) you know just keep that in mind and you should be alright I like to think of it as the Glen 20 of the soul Ben yeah, just a lyrics. big stinky Gary Pine scented cloud just around me <laughs> at all the time. Spirituality, yep, indeed. It's gotten me through some dark days, Tom. This song, <laughs> uh, not spirituality, but yeah, look, it's great. Uh, those are some of the worst lyrics around. Uh, yeah, not worse, just it, extremely generic. The best lyrics. thing you can say about them is they are relentlessly positive. Like yeah. at least he, you know, they're just really unimaginative and boring. They're well. the sort of lyrics that if they were featured on a song today, you just assume that some AI program would spat them out. Like yes. it seems like the most generic sort of. Yes. Oh, we need a song about love, and it just goes, <laughs> "Oh, come on, love, uh, yes, love, come on, uh, right. spirituality." <laughs> uh, it's just like going, yep, "Thank and you." And all the tenses are wrong and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So it's good to see someone's <laughs> been spending their whole life on neural networks to come up with that stuff. Mm. So probably Miles Dyson from Terminator 2. Well, speaking of dead, annoying computers, dead. let's go yeah. something a bit more melodic and organic next. Oh, what sorry. I just should point out 74 cents for that. Six oh, okay. million. Um, there must be six million people in France or something like yeah. that. I'm not really sure. So, yep, definitely. Um, so you're yeah, moving on next. TV Rock featuring Shawnee B. <sighs> Wow. Flaunt it. I've gotten this one too. Um, for five weeks. Fucking hell, five weeks. So look, 
Um, I had no idea who TV <laughs> Rock or Shawnee B are. I didn't know. I couldn't remember this at all. This is sort of a generic mid-2000s dance track with some seriously whack lyrics that are mm. so bad they almost swing back around and become <laughs> awesome. And I say almost as I don't think Shawnee B is self-aware enough to realise how fucking terrible these no, lyrics are. No. If this was like Basement Jacks or something, you might think... Is this on purpose? Is yep. this like kind of an in-joke that they're doing this on purpose? But yeah, with Shawnee B, I'm not sure. Uh, what I like is that the music video, while otherwise utterly unmemorable, <laughs> is a rare return to the early 90s fashion for flashing the words to the lyrics oh, on the screen, yeah. which, as it does here, often serves more to underline their shitness instead of blowing your <laughs> mind with the concepts behind it, especially when all the S's have been replaced with Z's as oh, they have here. Oh, no. <laughs> this is like... It- I think that whoever made this must have immediately watched Melissa read my lips like the second before. Bro, I've got this idea. I've just watched this fucking thing from 15 years ago where the words flash up. Why doesn't anyone do that anymore? Let's bring it back. Oh, but these lyrics are fucking awful. We don't really want to, you know, shine a spotlight on them. Don't worry about it. No one will be reading them anyway. So look... Two artists to go deep on. Mm. Firstly, I know you're asking, what's the TV rock story, Tom? I know you're asking that. Well, according to Wikipedia, TV rock, quote, was an Australian dance music duo consisting of Grant um, Smiley and Ivan Goff. Okay. Um, That's it. That's (laughs) the Wikipedia. That's all they had. Um, So I had to do, I had to go to a different website, Tom, Mm -hmm. rather than just going to Wikipedia, which is where a hundred percent of the content of this podcast comes from. So look, their song in the air featured on the Wog Boy two soundtrack. Um, uh, And they won two arias for this. If you can believe it. Yeah, there's not a lot of... Um, this was best dance song of the year. <laughs> so there's the not a lot like... of electronic, homegrown Australian electronic music outside of clubs, really. So if you can get on the radio, you're probably yeah. only up against, like, they're probably up against the dissociatives and no one else for this award oh, for exactly. this year. Maybe the most electronic song off Delta's latest album. <laughs> so, yeah, they probably <laughs> beat that. And I will, I'll say this for TV Rock. Yep. In my opinion, this isn't terrible by basic sort of club banger standards. No. Um, I would and have probably danced to this. If you took away the hilariously shit lyrics, it'd be a sort of serviceable bass-heavy dance floor feel, I think. Yeah. It's not too fast and pretty simple, but then so is like Robot Rock by Daft Punk, and that'd get 20,000 people up. You know, like this this sort of thing, like this sort of uh, Basement Jacks, um, later Chemical Brothers era another band its name fucking escapes me yeah this style of dance music was popular at the time so maybe TV Rock just were like hey we can fucking do that and they did and they got a number one song for five it's kind of like it's a sort of riffier style of dance music like it's built around not actual instruments so much but like kind of riffy chunks you know yeah yeah so, yeah, look, they, they obviously set out to do something, write a song, record it, press some records up, got some radio play, number one. They, you know, I'm sure, sure. They, they exceeded expectations. Why, so. why the fuck did they get Shawnee B, though? What's he got to do with anything? <sighs> well, I don't know, Tom. Shawnee B, um, look, he's featured on a bunch of tracks. He's been a featured artist on a lot oh, of okay. tracks, right. I think, over his career. So maybe 
they needed someone. They went, let's give that Shawnee B character a call. He knows what he's up to. Sure. Um, and look, you know, he's featured on a, a heap of stuff. I mean, who can forget his work with Eric Dex, Dylan Rimes, Jono Fernandez, the Stafford Brothers, Vanessa Amorossi, Don's, Rob Picks, Jam Express, Bombs Away, <laughs> Jamie Vlalos, Hoxton Hawes, Dirt Cheap, Joel Fletcher, Who Killed Mickey, Zoolander, and Sprenda C. All the biggest names in world music. He's worked with all of them, Tom. Um, and of course, he's featured on several tracks on TV Rock's debut album, not just this song. Sunshine City was the name of the album. He did Flaunted, obviously, Crank, and Hip House's Back, whatever the fuck that means. So I vaguely remember Flaunted. I think that... Oh, That's no, that this. was this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. yeah I can vaguely remember it too, just based off yeah. what we're talking about. But um, My yeah. question was, is Shawnee B American or Australian? The answer is he's Australian, he which adds a generous sprinkle of ass powder to the heady stank of his lyrics because he is really given that American accent 120%. He is, yeah, definitely. Video. I think he's from right here in Melbourne, Tom, mm. so hopefully Seems our paths cross right. at some stage. I'd like to get him on the podcast <laughs> and just... Um, I'm assuming that most of those people people you just listed are also were also Melbourne DJs or you know producers of the time who oh, just who had one banger and yeah. I assume so look um yeah I, I think so apart from Vanessa Amorossi we know that she yes. had several yeah. several hits because um, what Shawnee B is bringing to this is not much yeah, <laughs> not a, yeah, I mean if you're going for if the aim was let's get a vocalist on there that's real shit who's going to bring some real shit lyrics mm. to sort of give it this sort of ironic kind of vibe, yes. then they've achieved the goal. But if their aim was legitimate <laughs> quality, then they've failed on all he, levels. He's also not singing either. No, he's, he's not, just he's talking. He's not rapping and he's, he's not just, singing. So talking. he could essentially have just asked the lead singer of any, you know... I'm not sure why one of the guys band. in TV Rock didn't just do it. Exactly. Because just talking. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. yeah, look, TV Rock followed this up with Bimbo Nation, <laughs> which unfortunately <laughs> couldn't reach the dizzying heights of the, you know, the original, proving that Flaunted really was lightning mm, in a bottle. Mm. Um, they did a TV Rock versus Snap, The yeah. Power. They did one of those versus things. Featuring but, another guy yeah, as well. Yeah, but something tells me that Snap were completely unaware that this had taken place. Yeah. I feel like they and just the sampled public. it with that. So I listened to it too. It's not even very good. Really. Yeah, I mean, but look, I don't know. All I know is that TV Rock, I think one of the members left. It was two guys, so it's just one guy. <laughs> I don't know whether he's still <laughs> operating today under the name of TV Rock or mm. whether they've rested the project to bed. And look, I assume Shawnee B is still opening nightclubs in Taraugan, probably something yeah, along those lines. Right. So yeah, um, are you, you're going to hit onto no, these you, lyrics. Uh, what have you got any favourites yourself? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll make the baseline nice and deep for all you freaks on disco treats. Oh, Just shake that about? ass. Just shake that ass. I mean, lyrics spotlight see above really. Yeah, I think he threatens to make you cream several <laughs> times also. <laughs> I mean, for whatever agenda he's imagining, that would surely be a fairly inconvenient thing to happen on the dance floor. Oh, exactly. Surely. Right. I mean, even if JT got you naked by the end of this song, at least you could put your shirt back on afterwards and go to the bar. Yep. You know, presuming you didn't get kept out. Like, once you've creamed yourself in public, the night is pretty much over. It's done, yeah. I would have thought. I mean, I'm only speaking for men here. You'd have to ask 
Cardi B if a night out is adversely affected by slopping around with a wet ass pussy yeah. or even a wet ass pussy. <laughs> Either one, I, I don't know. But, well, yeah. we just need to look at the lyrics to WAP, I think, and we can find out um, her views on that. So, yeah, I don't know. The lyrics are, are pretty bad. They're but... pretty bad. That's basically all of them. I think we're listening. It is, <laughs> he just repeats and it, and them it's just... over and over again. Um, and, and he present. I'll make that bass line nice and deep for all you freaks on disco treats. Just shake that ass, shake that ass, flaunt it. It's delivered with that sort of yeah. power. Yeah. Just, that's the one thing he brings to it is this weird kind of sexual predator menace, that, you know, <laughs> which just makes it even funnier combined with the terrible lyrics. Yeah, exactly. If you saw him performing it live, you wouldn't know whether you need to call the police or something, some sort of crime's about to take place. But yeah, um, 50 cents for this, but vinyl aficionados will have to pay $6.75, Tom. Ah. So if you want this on the 12-inch, and who wouldn't, then you're going to have to part with a bit more money. 100000 If I saw this in a record shop and it had the... Um, the instrumental version. Yep, I'd pay six bucks six for dollars? that on vinyl to just to you know the, the 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 music's not too bad, but the yeah yeah. If you wanted, if it, if it was only the vocal version, you'd have to pay me six dollars to take it home. I think. Well, I'm the opposite, Tom. I'd pay six seventy five for an acapella um, <laughs> twelve inch. I think of just Shawnee B just going. <laughs> Oh, those freaks on Disco Treat, shake that ass. So, um, 100,000 for TV Rock. So, a few people are still listening. They only had one album. So, you know, people this is are obviously... Australia. They're probably still doing um, New Year's Eve parties in oh, I, I hope so, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll find out. Um, but, yeah, obviously, after one of the two members parted ways, I'm not sure whether that had an adverse effect on their output. Well, they haven't released anything since, so no. obviously it has, so... Um, up next is Youth Group Forever Young for two weeks. Ah, uh, yes. This was a hit at the time. Uh, yep. It was certainly a hit on um, alternative radio and then over into the mainstream. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, this can best be described as a completely unnecessary cover of the 1984 Alphaville single. Is that a fair description? It is, yes. The only thing it really did was bring that cover back into the public consciousness. Yep. A bit like that wonky cover of Mad World oh, from like yeah. five years earlier, which just made, if it did one good thing, was to make people go, oh, this is a cover. I wonder what the original sounds like. Oh, shitloads better than this. Yeah. That's true. It did bring, you know, Tears for Fears have always been on my radar, but um, it's certainly people that were, may have been unfamiliar with I was Tears not for Fears. so familiar with them, yeah. Certainly uh, made people go, let's check out Tears for Fears. So, and then they probably would have gone and listened to Shout. Yeah. Shout, and then went that sick. <laughs> so, yeah. That first or, album's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, look, I say look, completely unnecessary is unfair, isn't it, Tom? Because <laughs> the track did feature in an episode of the OC, so it was all worth it. And they performed this live on Sunrise, <laughs> um, which is what I guess a jangly indie band wants to perform a show aimed exclusively at 55-year-olds, while Koshi says, oh, that was great. Now, if you want to save up for a house, you should spend less money on toast. Thanks, Koshi, for uh, that financial advice. Next is the miracle floor cleaner. We're going <laughs> to yeah. have a half-hour-long infomercial. Look, uh, you might, people who don't know this or don't know the original, you might remember the original also from the prom dance scene in Napoleon Dynamite, yeah. possibly, which I would personally rank over the entire run of the OC, except yep. uh, maybe a couple of bits with Rachel Bilson in yeah. it, perhaps. 
Uh, also, the, <laughs> the she was hot. What was her character's <laughs> name? I remember you had some sort of crush on her. <laughs> yeah, what was I can't even remember the character. I liked I liked the Pacey in that show. What was his name? He pops up. At, is it, it's like. It's, I always want to say Adrian Brody, but it's not Adrian Yeah, it's Adrian Brody. someone. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah it's something close. It might be Adam Brody or something. Oh, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Sorry. He's no Rachel Wilson, though. Look, no, anyway, no. the song, the original is better, I think. It has an alien, synthy, new wave sort of stiltedness, which contrasts the subject better than this sort of balls-obvious, twangy OC remix, yep. I reckon, which just sounds like every other, you know guitar band or triple j at the time oh completely no i completely agree so um yeah she played summer on the oc ah okay there you go look um yeah i was unfamiliar with youth group so checked out a few of their songs and i guess um it's just described uh, weak shit that feels into this genre for me is that is that (laughs) is that an actual genre weak shit Sort of. It certainly was at the time. Um, yeah, it sounds like they got lucky with some support tours in Australia for Death Cab for Cutie oh, yep. and South by Southwest gigs. Then got signed to Epitaph, which is normally a punk label, just because the boss, boss liked their second album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, given that they went on to support the Vines, Interpol, Coldplay, and Kings of Leon at different times, I think we can say that they naturally tapped into what Flight of the Concords called the acceptable level of mediocrity <laughs> required of longtime support bands, so as not to show up the main touring act, but be not shit enough to embarrass the main touring act as well yeah exactly so look I think that's fair enough yeah pretty mediocre Um, founding guitarist Paul Murphy left the band in 2003 due to creative differences that was a wise move on his part I think so yeah Yeah. I don't know what he's up to now but it can't (laughs) be as bad as this yeah, well, they managed to. They got they got some Ameri- they got some American play because of this song and the you know the, being in the OC. Yep. So I think they did actually go on to do other stuff. I think they're in other bands now. Um, at least the guitarist and the vocalist. Did they so, get to perform live on the OC? Did they get to? I hope they were in an episode of the OC. Did they <laughs> that get to do I forgot that? to look up. I should have checked that because that would have been a surf dude with attitudes kind yeah, of. Yeah, look, I do. I think that was it. I mean, I don't know what it was, but um, I don't know whether they still do it now. But obviously, Peach Pit after dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure that they booked bands at the Peach Pit. Um, they certainly. There was a big musical component of the OC where they'd book some bands. So the problem with the OC was it's set in Orange County. I kept waiting for um, early 2000s Orange County metalcore bands to come up and play, but it never happened. If so only. It was always some jangly shit. And I was just like, going, yeah. when are they going to get, you know, 18 Visions on there? But it never happened. Um, so look, it was tough times for that. But, I, you know. I have exactly one youth group memory yep which was from the swan basement which was a a sort of rock slash hireable music club underneath this horrible old man pub in Fremantle where we used to go sometimes they used to have punk shows there sometimes and then sometimes they'd have weird shit like sonic animation or they'd have like rockabilly nights and all yep. these rockabilly people would come out of the woodwork so sometimes when we were drunk we'd just show up hoping that something interesting would happen and one time we went there and instead of a bunch of uh, hardcore dudes moshing at the front of the stage doing karate moves on each other yep. uh, there were a bunch of people sitting on the floor in a semicircle, sort of reverentially crowded around the stage, uh, waiting for something to happen. And this was, 
and this bar, like looking at it from above, is sort of a rectangular room with the stage at one end, and on either side of the stage were the men's and women's toilet yep. doors. So any, which was inconvenient if there was a mosh pit going on, because it meant that any time anyone wanted to go to the toilet, you had to push around the edge of the mosh pit just yeah. to get to the toilet doors. And also, you felt like you were on display because you had to sort Everyone of was the stage you. lights and stuff. And, and then for every team, like, like the, 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 the guy just came out and was starting to like check the microphone, the, the vocalist and stuff in his sort of fey kind of unassuming jangle core way. And then Tim sort of just staggered drunkenly to the front, and looked back at all the people sitting on the ground and went, what is this fucking story time? <laughs> so he was very proud of himself. Then he came back and told us that he'd done it. And they were like, yeah, I'll tell you that youth group. He was sitting on the floor. But I mean, seriously, yeah. who sits cross-legged at the front of a gig for Christ's sake? You're yeah, not coming to see the Delhi Lama. Yeah, that's, that's It was part of this sort of, the whole this whole style was like this kind of incredibly sort of soft sort of kind of limp, I guess sort of shoegazy a little bit that sort of you know yeah yeah this it's is like, weak this is weak as piss yeah, so anyway introversion core music yeah absolutely absolutely right um look so thirty cents two hundred sixty thousand listeners on Spotify yeah. so yeah. That, you know, some people are still checking out. This cover and what other bullshit they did. So up next, um, oh, just oh sorry, just no, sorry, right. sorry, sorry. Um, it's really not that impressive. It's uh, you, they didn't write it, so no. you know this. The original was released in '84, so it has a Cold War era start. Um, let's dance in style. Let's dance for a while. Heaven can wait. We're only watching the skies, hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Are you going to drop the bomb or not? Sort of thing. And the rest is just a quite a plaintive sort of gentle thing about how youth is transient. But permanent at the same time, or at least it seems that way when you're young. Now that I'm older, it just seems like I wasted a lot of time being sad about things that didn't really matter. Although, as this song suggests, even the sadness and or threat of nuclear annihilation is kind of fun when you're 20. <laughs> but mm. uh, yeah, anyway, with the OC version, they just really leaned into the forever young bit from the chorus, which yep. is the How sort of simplest part. And, yeah. this, and cut out all the other Cold War type elements yeah so. and this like the original has that slight sort of sadness to it as well yeah. like you know it, it kind of yeah contrasts with um, the message do yeah. I want to be forever young hmm. yeah I'm not sure it's um yeah yeah who knows <laughs> <laughs> not that anyone has a choice do they so um the youth group drop a rap part in the in the bridge or that's what was missing they should have yeah. some guy going wake me up <laughs> That's <laughs> sure. Where's Paul McCoy on That's this right. shit? He would have livened All it up. The real no McCoy, they could have... Oh, Paul McCoy featuring the real McCoy, <laughs> I think, would be a great <laughs> musical thing. So, another night, another dream. Another night, Wake me another up. dream. Definitely. Well, let's make some phone calls, see if we can get those guys together. That's a match made in heaven. Um, so, up next, for eight weeks, mm. that's a long time, uh, Rihanna, SOS. Ah, yes. Yeah, this is where she started off in Australia. Yep. So, this is the first number one for Riri, <laughs> SOS, <laughs> for eight weeks. Um, take that, Chris Brown. Yeah. Um, your shitty Usher ripoff only hit number one for three weeks. Oh, so, straight out of the gate, she's better So, than Rihanna's like, so just fucking kicked him to the curb on this shit so now look i don't think i'd ever realized um and that's because i don't think i've heard this song for 15 years 
certainly, I know it's her first number one, but it isn't as popular as, dare I say, you know, iconic as some of the other material, particularly Umbrella, you know, everyone knows mm. that one. But uh, spoiler alert, we'll talk about that another time in the not-too-distant future, so I'm not going to talk about Umbrella now. But what I didn't realise was that this sample soft sells Tainted Love. Yeah, no, I didn't notice that either. Now, I didn't notice at the time, but then I did, and then I'm not sure why you'd sample a song that's such a well-known song mm. um, and I don't know anyone that would rather listen to this than the original but what I you know I don't really know what I'm talking about obviously so <laughs> Rihanna's obviously well, I'm going to sample Tainted Love I'm going to do that sure he's done it well is it even a sample or is it she it is yeah there's definitely a sample it's in there. closer to a cover a baseline than yeah, a cover. Yeah. no it's yeah I mean it's she's got her own lyrics in it but there's certainly um, yeah samples that follows so. that dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so she definitely does that. So I don't know. You choose that. Uh, but that's up to her. But look, I don't know what I'm talking about. Number one for eight works. In my band at the time, Art of Seduction tried to release a Tainted Love reimagining as well, um, titled Tainted Cunt. So <laughs> didn't take off. I won't talk about um, what it was about. But um, yeah, it's sort of we're going in a... Um, an intense hammer action. Seven LA didn't pick that up. <laughs> didn't get the traction we're hoping for on oh. mainstream radio, but I digress. So, yep. Um, look, this is one of those songs where they filmed three videos for it. Oh, okay. Three music videos. One was the actual music video. Mm-hmm. One was a Nike promo video. I'm not sure like what they did. She's just doing the song again, but in night clothes. And one was for Agent Provocateur. The lingerie company. Ah, yes. Yep. Um, so, quick side note, Agent Provocateur once filmed a lingerie promo video with a death metal soundtrack. Okay. So, they did that. <laughs> um, and the company was started by the son of Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren. So, there you go. Um, Vivian Westwood designed that. <laughs> Julian Assange's wife's ah, outfit. Yes. So, there you go. So, she's back in the news. Good yeah. times. They also used uh, Kylie Minogue around this time in a very pervy ad, which was mm. designed for cinema audiences and doesn't make any sense otherwise so you definitely shouldn't bother looking it up even though it does feature Kylie in sheer underwear riding a mechanical bull so there you go they're but, thinking you know, outside the box I like that so the, box. the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree <laughs> no. Tom I would suggest so look so back to the song this was off around a second album her first album was released like only a year before this produced two top 10 singles in Australia okay. um, but yeah so step back into the studio straight away and here we are She's now, um, as we as you mentioned before, this is her first number one. But she has had either as the lead artist or as another the artist, fe- yeah, featuring Rihanna, um, thirty one songs that have reached the top ten in Australia. Wow! So that's a fuckload. I won't mention how many of those made it to number one, just to leave an element of mystery for the listeners of this podcast. However, I will say that Rihanna will be discussed um, several more times uh, yes. during the course of the podcast. So, yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you, actually. I She didn't make an impression with me until Umbrella mm. because, and I, not for, well, personally, I reckon this is a pretty decent pop song. Oh, yeah. Like just as, as, as Australian number ones go. However, it also sounds exactly like, to me, at least, like it could be a Beyonce song. Yeah. And the video looks 
like you could just face swap Beyonce into it, right down to the vocal production, the outfits, the jewelry, and even the dance moves and stuff. Now, maybe that is down to the record company, as we previously discussed. They clearly feel a lot more comfortable with new artists' early releases if they can like slot them straight into an existing category, yep. e.g. Beyonce knockoff or TLC knockoff for Pink or Britney knockoff for Delta. Or as we saw with Chris Brown earlier, Usher knockoff. Yes, so. exactly. Um, Umbrella is not exactly Tchaikovsky, but at least it sounds a bit more sort of characteristic to Rihanna's current yeah. style. And I, thinking back, I was thinking, I do know this song vaguely. Why didn't it make an impression on me as Rihanna? And the answer is probably because I heard it on the radio and I just thought it was someone else. Yeah, Like exactly. I didn't go, who's this interesting new person? I just, yeah, like even, uh, you know, spoiler, but... Uh, there's a Beyonce song that pops up later on this year and even looking at the two covers of the two singles yes. from these they've got the same haircut the same neck chain and the same white tank top in the pictures you know they, yeah, yeah. They but that that's, might not be her fault that might just be you know yeah, look, playing I'll, it safe you know for sure I mean she obviously um, whoever discovered her when she's a talent you just got to find her lane I guess and early yep. on it's just I think the album before this even had a bit more because she's from Barbados a bit more of that sort of you know Caribbean Uh, flair and then this is a bit poppy and then by the next album I think she's sort of probably doing her own stuff yeah exactly so look um, as is often the case with this podcast though Tom when you speak about luminaries in the industry that have had numerous number one songs Mm -hmm. I'm talking Euphoria talking Shannon Knowles (laughs) you run out of things to talk about so I don't want to discuss all things Rihanna right now. Sure. There's a few things about Rihanna that I want to leave in the bank, but I think that obviously, you know, the most obvious starting point for me is to talk about the important things, you know, mm. the, those sort of issues that, you know, um, really define Rihanna, really define her career. Um, so, you know, I think in doing so, starting with those things at order of importance, a good place to start would be um, her role in the 2012 film Battleship. Ah, yes, her most iconic uh, performance. (laughs) For sure. Now, at some point, someone in the film industry thought that perhaps it would be a good idea, and this idea gained enough traction that $200 million in funding was obtained to adapt a board game into a major motion picture. (laughs) Now, Hollywood have obviously had some hits with video game adaptations, Tom. Mm -hmm. I'm talking Angry Birds, Street Fighter... The Christian Slater vehicle, Alone in the Dark, and of course Super Mario Brothers, all very good. But a board game, you know, it doesn't have an actual story of any kind. Mm, might be a hard task. Mm. So those other video games, you know... They have it, complex narratives. They do have know, complex things narratives. Things that really lend themselves to a cinematic experience, like emojis. Yeah, instance, exactly. You know. Angry birds. A bird has to fly, be you know, angry. Hit, yep. be angry. Street fighting, it's someone has to kick the shit out of someone else. Alone in the dark, you shoot something or whatever in a house. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, you've got to rescue that princess. You can turn those into films. Mm. Battleships, though, you know. So it was a, it was a difficult mm. sell to begin with. But fortunately, <laughs> they had an all-star cast. Taylor Kitsch, Brooklyn Decker, Rihanna, all the big names. Um, Rihanna hadn't acted before before this, if you can believe that. And you almost couldn't tell um, as much was the power of her performance. Now, with a video game, yeah, look, you do have that material. You have to generally try and stay true to the source material. Doesn't always happen, like when the producers of Lawnmower Man were forced to take Stephen King's name off the project, as it had sweet fuck all to do with the actual book. But, you know, you have something to work with. 
Not the case with Battleship. So that gave, in many ways, it freed oh, up the riders. They had the idea of battling ships. I That's right, of course, of course, absolutely. The, the riders had the creative freedom to choose whatever path they so desired mm. in this Battleship Rihanna-led film. Uh, they ran with a bold move of the crew of a small group of warships are forced to battle against a naval fleet of extraterrestrial origin in order to thwart their destructive goals. Um, probably should have just tried to do a Hunt for Red October knockoff or something. Is yeah, that, probably. Is that a bit too whack? <laughs> just going, what if, the, what if there were alien battleships? Yeah, like, are you just, fucking serious? The, the trailer, I never saw the film, but the trailer just made it look like, hey, what if Independence Day, except instead of people like flying around shooting at aliens, yep. they're just big fucking boats that can't go anywhere and they just sit on the water and then aliens blow them up from space. Which yeah. did, weirdly didn't sell a lot of people on the idea, I don't think. No, I believe it was a massive flop. It lost a lot of money and I don't know whether Rihanna's really done much since <laughs> uh, in terms of music. Yeah, I know that so. was the end of her career. So um, she never recovered. So uh, her acting didn't quite take off, but it didn't matter because, Tom, did you know that uh, Rihanna is the richest female pop star? I did not. She has a net worth of $1.7 billion, which is completely insane. So we can talk more about this next time. That means she's worth more than fucking Shakira, who's like a cross-continental star and has... Was named in the Panama Papers. She's richer than Madonna, yep. who just did a two hundred and sixty million dollar tour. Yep. She's richer than fucking Beyonce, who's married to Jay Z. Wow. Yeah. So it's she must have some lions in the fire. Well, we can talk about this more next time. As I mean, yeah, I mean, um, she invested Dogecoin on the ground floor. <laughs> she did. Took Elon's um, advice. She got in a coin on uh, the ground floor, uh, I believe. So <laughs> she's she hit that up. So she did a duet with a coin. He said, "You want to fucking get in on this a." Yeah, no, I know what you mean. We don't want to completely talk about her too much. Um, Like, you know, like with Black Eyed Peas where we... We spent 30 <laughs> seconds discussing all the interesting things about Black Eyed Peas and then we're out of material. We're out of material, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, look, Rihanna will be back, um, look, to be honest, next week or the week after, I think. Or so I, we can... I, my memory's not great, but I'm pretty sure Umbrella was a number one, if I remember. Oh, it certainly was. So, look, we can talk about that. Uh, and when we do, maybe touch on some of her business shit because... Yeah, that's crazy. 1.7 billion didn't realise it was um, What about the lyrics of this powerhouse? Uh, well, this is credited to Soft Cell, yep. E. Kid Bogart, and J.R. Rotem. Mm. Uh, that's a Canadian producer who's worked with Nicki Minaj, 50 Cent, Fallout Boy, Linkin Park, and Chris I Punch Women in the Face Brown, to yep. name a few. Uh, I'm obsessive when just one thought of you comes up, and I'm aggressive, just one thought ain't close enough. You got me stressing, incessantly pressing the issue, because every moment gone, you know I miss you. Now, I'm celibate, obviously, but I know a couple of people who had girlfriends like that, and frankly, even if they are Rihanna, I'm not sure it would be worth the trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? She sounds like the sort of person who makes you sit through a weird, passive-aggressive conversation after you took two extra minutes to buy milk, because yep. she doesn't trust the bitch who works at the newsagent. Yeah, you know I think what that's I mean? about it, yeah. Maybe that's just me. I might just be being... Misogynist. <laughs> oh, look, I don't know, Tom. Also, note sure. how even the phrasing sounds like a fucking Beyonce yep. song, like the, you know, the internal rhymes and stuff. Yeah, fuck. I mean, yeah. I know Beyonce doesn't write her own songs either, but yeah, it's just It's clearly. safe to say that at this chat stage, yes, certainly, um, it was... The target demographic was Beyonce fans. 100%, so. yeah. Yeah, and look, it's interesting because um, I believe by um, Umbrella... Um, 
Jay Z does a bit of a rap on that one, doesn't he? As well. So yeah, but weirdly, I don't think Umbrella sounds exactly like a Beyonce song. No, I'm sure she could do a cover of it, but yep. yeah, this to me just sounds like a photocopy. Yeah. Absolutely right. So um, we mentioned eight weeks. Did we say that at the start? Eight yes. weeks. That's a long time. That's two months, uh, two calendar months. So that's ages 62 cents. This will cost you on the Discogs. And Rihanna does have um, 48 million listeners on the Spotify. Wow. So not quite hitting the same numbers as uh, Eminem, but... Pretty damn close. That's a lot. A lot of dudes. So good times. All right. Up next uh, is oh this one Shakira featuring Wyclef Jean. Hips don't lie. Oh, this was a huge hit as well. Absolutely was. It was massive. Now another. This is nine, nine weeks. weeks. Mm. Friggin' hell. So I re- forgot this one was that big. Yeah, Good crazy. Hips. So let's address the elephant in the room, Tom. Shakira's expressed as a statement of fact that hips don't lie, but I yes. want to reframe the statement as a question and ask, can hips lie? Mm. What do you think? Is it possible? Well, I suppose, you know, if we're talking like hips using semaphore, mm. I guess you could send an accurate in an, an inaccurate statement via yep. your hips. Yeah, that's true. Look, yeah, uh, on the dance floor, though, hey, we're all speaking the same language. Exactly. Look, and I think that's where this song comes from. Shakira's indicated that what she means is when a song is a, a dance floor banger, you know, like your Lee Harding's ah. Wasabi or your TV Rock and Shawnee B Flaunt It, but you can't help but move those hips. Okay. If those hips are swinging, then you can't deny it's a great song, so she's saying that your hips don't lie. Makes more sense. So, I always assumed it was made in a, just in a seductive sense, but that actually makes a lot more yeah, sense. Yeah, it does, yeah. absolutely. So I get what she's saying, but we can take this one step further. We know that Shakira's been involved in what some would consider serious tax evasion, and a judge has recommended <laughs> that she stand trial in Spain later this year. When Shakira's on the stand, the prosecutors are going to ask her some difficult questions about her tax affairs, and there is a chance that Shakira may be tempted to hide the truth in order to save herself, you know, Perjury is what we're talking here. So, you know, if the prosecutors direct its line of questioning to Shakira's hips, then I think that A, (laughs) will finally discover the truth about her tax affairs, or in the alternative hypothesis, um, let's call it Shakira's theory of relative hip truth, will be disproven. Mm. So it'll turn out that, you know, we'll either find out the truth about her tax affairs, or we'll learn that hips can lie. So, look, if it's A, then we should look, you know, maybe lawyers in the future should only be asking questions of people's hips to extend, you know, we can also do that to politicians, real estate agents, lawyers, everyone, so that we can finally get past this post-truth world uh, into a post-post-truth world where the truth reigns supreme. Perjury would be a thing in the past. Oh, it would be, absolutely. The only problem I can see is that you would have to look at a lot of really overweight white guys' hips in yeah. the court system. Oh, you can still wear clothes. You can still be dressed with the <laughs> hips, but yeah, people yeah. just... Yeah, do you want to watch Donald Trump twerking, though? No, uh, I don't really know. Surely yeah. those court cases would have to be the ones where no one's allowed to film them and yeah. they, the sketch artist commits suicide <laughs> later on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this song is based on Dance Like This by Wyclef Jean slash Claudette Ortiz. Yep. And it samples the trumpets from Jerry Rivera's Amore Como El Nestro. It topped the charts in over 55 countries, including for two weeks in the US. 
So I'm guessing Shakira called her accountants and told them to funnel another tax-free 80 mil to her P.O. box in the Galapagos Islands. But, I mean, yeah, like, her reign of success continues. Oh, Again, like, sure. she can't be stopped. Absolutely right. Look, um, this song is off the album Oral Fixation Volume 2. <laughs> now, did anyone, anyone at all, say to Shakira, that might not be the best name for an album? I mean, she did release that swastika merch, so I dare say that there's no one in Shakira's camp willing to provide constructive feedback on her creative decisions. Do you think someone could have just went, yo, Shakira, oral fixation might make people think you're singing about blowjobs? <laughs> but just no one had the balls to tell us, so I don't know. Now, listeners, Ben is obviously joking here. We both know that clearly the only reason it's called oral fixation is to make people think about blowjobs. She wanted to call it anal fixation, but apparently Walmart threatened to <coughs> pull out. <laughs> Whoops, matron, who were nudge, nudge, clang, clang, etc. Sorry, I'm not very good at double entendres. Then again, neither is Shakira, apparently. No. Maybe that sounded better in Spanish. And volume two as well. Yeah, it's like, really? This, this title was so good, it's got to come back for another Jeez. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I believe Oral Fixation Volume 1 was a Spanish language album. Oh, so, okay, apparently. okay. Maybe Oral Fixation sounds better in Spanish, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Or it's a better pun. It'll play yeah. on words. Uh, lyrically, um, uh, Wyclef singing, Hey girl, I can see your body moving and it's driving me crazy and I didn't have the slightest idea until I saw you dancing that when you walk up on the dance floor, nobody cannot ignore the way you move your body, girl, and everything so unexpected the way you right and left it. Yeah. I mean, it's not that unexpected. Like, if I had to describe my expectations, I'd say she was probably going to wiggle her hips around in a provocative way. Yep. Maybe in really uncomfortable-looking jeans, perhaps. Maybe a bit like she's recently contracted thrush. Does that sound about right? I think so. The music video does involve a lot of hip work, but that was... I, I don't mean, even, even know if, if I've the... seen the video, but I'm guessing that's what happened. Oh, look, even if the song wasn't called Hips Don't Lie and Shakira, there would have involved some hip work, I think. So she, she does mm. do a bit of belly dancing action from time to time. So once you call your song Hips Don't Lie, it's going to be yeah. just um, hip work <laughs> fucking 24-7. I kind so. of feel a bit sorry for her around this time, similar to some of the artists we've covered in the last couple of years that... They just happen to be performing in a extremely hip and butt focused time style of music in a time when the most fashionable pants you could be wearing were also the most uncomfortable jeans ever invented. Yep. E.g. the extremely tight low rise yeah. jeans. Which basically meant that you have to have zero body fat and shave your pubes every single day. And every time you do a dance move, you're just in danger of mooning the entire camera crew. Exactly right. And you yeah. can't wear underpants without everybody seeing what underpants you were wearing. Yep. So maybe she actually did have thrush. Who knows? Not, not sure. But yeah, certainly I don't envy having to do those belly dance moves in that sort of uh, no. type of pant. But look, she survived. She, she lived to tell <laughs> she the tale. Did. Um, she did, yep. And we'll only find out if she'll be wearing those jeans in court uh, <laughs> later in this year for a tax evasion case. So there you go. Um, 73 cents for this. Hmm. Sure. 34 million for uh, Shakira. That's a lot. We knew that. Yep. She does have the Spanish language audience as she well. Does. So she gets to, to double dip in a sense, I guess. Um, and 5 mil for old Wyclef. So... Hmm. He's doing okay. I guess so, yeah. I guess he's doing all right. I <laughs> guess he's doing fine on this one. So um, up next for two weeks, 
JT, sexy back. Ah, only two weeks, but this got played a lot. Well, that was the thing. I thought this was probably the biggest song of the year. It yeah. seemed to be fucking everywhere. It when was it came one of the out. biggest club songs. Yeah, of the year. Oh, yeah, no, it was. But it was I was off by way. some margin because this was only two weeks, while Rihanna and Shakira were eight and nine respectively. Yeah, it's definitely so. a year for the ladies this yep. year for sure. Certainly in the pop scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I think people are probably not. No one I know, but I think people are probably still saying "bringing sexy back <laughs> today." You think that's still an expression people use? Sure. So look, it was that expression was fucking worn out by the end of the year, though. I'd say. Oh, that. Oh, but I'm on the other hand, back. you said it yourself. People are still saying yeah, it. Yeah, you that's know? true. So it's, is um, it better to stick in people's minds for something annoying? Yeah. Or be forgotten for something good. That's right. It's a cultural phenomenon, this song, I think. So, JT, um, yeah, he'd sort of gone a bit more of a... Well, he's, he had the sexy edge last time, didn't he? Remember that other yes. song he did where he did the beatbox bit in the middle? <laughs> yeah. No, no, so no. I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. Yeah. yeah. He's got rid of the, the dyed um, yes. sort of spirally noodle hair yep. action which he'd had last time he's got the suit he's wearing the sort of suit action yep. here so for sure look so I think the image wise yeah it's spot on um, the question is though <laughs> and this I think is a question a lot of people have asked did Justin bring sexy back because it's a fucking bold claim for one we have to start with the assumption that sexy had disappeared now, I, for one, can't recall a time where sexy was out. Can no, you remember that? No, where extremely true. attractive males and females <laughs> with high level of sex appeal were on the out and just had to go, oh, people were just like, they don't yes. care about that anymore. You know, I would have I would have been a model two years ago, but now mm. I have to work as a toilet cleaner because no one cares about sexy anymore. So, I don't know. I have to get a real job, like become a real estate agent or creative director of an ad agency or something <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. But well, those are two pretty sexy jobs. There they are. Yep. I mean, maybe like with the latter one, you could combine your extreme physical appeal with a passion for finding 836 new portmanteau words for tampons. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Okay, so top three on the whiteboard, we've got Snatchtacular, Convergini, and an Axe Woundiful. Yeah. Time for a quick gram and then back to work. I think so. Good nearly gone 11, all right? Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is a weird question. Like, I know what you mean. Like, it doesn't make You could go, well, he's talking about himself, but that doesn't make sense. No. Because it's he's talking about, you know, it's, it's directed towards a large group of people. And you go, well, maybe he's talking about how... You know, the 70s and even the 80s were sexier decades than the 90s. But he's not old enough to have been aware of sexiness in the 80s. Yeah. So, like like you say, like I'm not sure where sexiness is meant to have gone from. Well, it didn't disappear. Um, <laughs> so he didn't bring it back. So none of this makes any sense. But I think that shows the power of the song. The fact mm. that it just... Makes no fucking sense yes, whatsoever. It's people the question, were just like but going, it's too good for people to care. Uh, people like, just got it. stuck in people's head, and they're like, That's "Yeah, right. I'm bringing sexy back, baby." <laughs> it's just like, I'm not really sure that you are. But look, um, sexy back is all one word yes. as well. Yeah, weirdly, um, that so, album title was too. It's uh, future love slash sex sounds or one word, much like. What's her name? Uh, Gwen Stefani's. What was that? Love, happy, Japan bullshit <laughs> yeah, or that, something that like that. That sucked, yeah. That's right. That but, was a yeah, terrible name. Clearly that yeah. was a fad at the time. So being sexy, it's being all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, have I misread this for the last 15 years and he's trying to make backs sexy? Is that is that like sexy back? Like oh, I've got I a see. sexy back? Yes. So look, so much of what is deemed sexy has always had to do with the front, you know. Mm. I think the history of time, you know, beautiful facial features, chiseled jaw, mad cans, shredded abs. 
but there's been little focus on the back. Um, and maybe that's what JT was trying to do to sort of say, yeah, sexy bat. Who's got a sexy back? Especially on men, you know, it's not yeah. a, it's not a very focused on area. Of yeah, I mean, who has a sexiest back? Do you think if you had to go with someone? Um, I would probably say Ben Affleck because oh, yeah. of his recently discovered uh, ten color felt pen tattoo that he's yeah. got all over his entire back. <laughs> I mean, if that's not sexy, hey, it worked for J-Lo twice. Definitely. So, you know. I'm going to say Jason Statham. <laughs> so I think he has I the sexiest I remember back. the name of that. He's in that video with by the Shaman. Did I mention that? I think I mentioned it on my um, year-end wrap-up of one. It's one of the Shamans. <laughs> the Shaman did uh, Ebenezer Good. Yep. But they've also got an early song. I've never even heard it before. But in the video, it features Jason Statham dancing like a like a, a you know a podium dancer, just completely nude, greased up, but with like leopard print nice. speedos. Except like through the magic of two thousand and one computer technology, they've like digitally multiplied them. So there's like a whole spiraling array of just Jason Statham's dancing. Nice. If you'd told me then that guy's going to be a Hollywood movie yep. star one day, I would have wouldn't said, have believed it. Did, no. the, did you get much back action in that? <laughs> no, no, it was all front. Uh, See, no. there you go. JT might be onto something Damn, with it. He, I reckon he's got a sexy back. A question I was going to ask is: uh, Did you prefer this version of the song or the 2007 cover version from the Poison album, Poison? <laughs> Well, it puts me in a tough spot, Tom, because the cover is always better than the original. Yes, um, yes. But I do quite like the original, but I also do like Poison. So um, It was look, good to hear them still trying to make new metal happen in 2006 anyway. Yeah, definitely. Look, oh, sorry, 2007. Yeah. Wouldn't have wanted to get that wrong. <laughs> um, in the wrong hands, it could be terrible. But fortunately, <laughs> Brett Michaels and yes, C.C. DeVille tastefully know how to handle such things as this. So I think, yeah, probably the cover is I, better. I'm a, I'm a bit of a glam metal fan, and I... I was astonished to find that there was a 2007 Poison album. I think they're still I mean, going to this day. <laughs> Rock of Love must have been out. Oh, yeah. Going at this point, yeah. surely. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah, Rock of Love, um, season one and two, and then I think even the Bus of Love, or whatever <laughs> the fuck that was, had set, had departed the station by this time. But, uh, yeah, they're still, they're still going in some capacity, sure. so good on them. But, yeah, they did a cover album. Um, I, what else was oh, on that okay. cover? Was it... Was um they did this cover song, but I think they might have I done a whole the cover album. Oh, okay, so, maybe that's poisoned. Yeah, I hence hope so. the clever play on words. That yeah. would actually make a weird kind of sense. Yeah, yeah to see poison do a um, it's a spelled full, poison apostrophe d. Yeah, I think um them doing a full covered album like covers album. I think by this time in your career, it is effectively all you've got left. I think. Yes, you, especially so. with a new metal flavour. Seven years yeah, too late. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've just had a quick look on Wikipedia, Tom. Um, nine new tracks and five previously released covers. Okay. Make up the album. Um, so well, they wouldn't have had much time to previously release this one. So. <laughs> oh, Little Willie by the Sweet. Suffragate City by uh, David, Bowie. David Bowie. I Never Cry by Alice Cooper. Um, I Need to Know by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> Can't See you, the Marshall Tucker Band. Oh, there's a lot of trash on here. <laughs> oh, I could see they got a Loggins and Messina. Oh, yeah. that's Your Mama Don't Dance. Oh, that was a cover. I didn't yeah, know that. Was, okay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I see. So that 
I see what they mean. So they've already done nine covers already in their storied two-album career. So now they've busted yep. out Rock some new Rock and Roll ones. All Night by Kiss. Uh, and, uh, and Sexy Back was the bonus track. Song, okay. So there you go. Glad to good hear stuff. It. Good. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'll be listening to that tomorrow, <laughs> I think, Tom. We'll be jamming that out all day. So, yeah. um, look, this was a bit of a new sound for JT. I don't even know what you would call this, but it's minimal, I think, from the yeah. like sort of minimal synth millennium-y pop like musically like it's quite a simple yes yeah like musically it's quite simple but just a lot of um yeah yeah pretty pretty minimal but like quite catchy i think so and obviously jt's um yeah the lyrics even though they make no sense yeah they're very memorable and he's got his own unique vocal styling so yeah this is Certainly something I heard a lot of oh, at the time. Yeah. It was mighty. absolutely fucking everywhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the album Future Sex Love Sounds. That's, that's right. What that's what you cool. mentioned, yeah. which is another whack title like that Gwen Stefani one, as you mentioned. Most of it was produced by Timberland, who I assume was able to put in a new pool off the proceeds from this album. So, yeah, or at least very a popular. new warehouse to expand his uh, shoe manufacturing operation <laughs> that he's been that's working true. on. That's, he does that part-time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, uh, the song samples Eddie Bow uh, song "Hook and Sling" Part One, which is that you ready? Oh, you hear all the way through the song. Yeah, yeah. You ready? Um, I thought there were more samples in it because, as you said, it's kind of it's cut. It's got that. Yeah, it's got this kind of that, gated sound through it. Or is that just Timberland? Just going. I think yep. that's bits of that, and like, yeah. and he does little bits in it too. I know what you mean. It's hard to describe. It's like yeah. they're kind. It's like samples of itself, sort of thing. There's another song with you that does it. As I well, feel like. At the time, this was a very unique sound. Yes. These days, yeah, probably all people now. people would just be like, "Oh, it just sounds like a pop song." But at the time, I remember musically, even though it was quite simple, it did have a sound that was yes. different from other pop songs that were happening at the time. Yeah, and even just stripped back things were were they're much more common now. Like yeah. Billie Eilish can have a song on the you know number one that's sounds like it's going to float away if you cough next to it because yeah. it's hardly there at all but this was less common back then to have that style thing yep. um, incidentally that hook and sling is one of those songs with a good breakbeat and vocal hits from like 1969 that producers have stripped mind to death that I've talked about before like hip hop <laughs> yeah. guys the song sounds highly familiar even though you've probably never heard the original before if you listen to it it's been sampled in more than 90 songs including Mama Said Knock You Out Kanye West NWA Schooly D and The Young Black Teenagers who I will never get tired of pointing out were all white yep. all five of them in the band yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's an uh, odd choice uh, of band name. yeah I had to refresh did you watch the video? I did yeah yeah um He's wearing a suit. He is. He is. <laughs> no, it's good, yeah. So the music video was directed by uh, Michael Hulsman, who also did Martika, ah, Love That yes. Will Be Done, and Richard Marks Hazard. What can I say? The man loved black, and he also loved white. Yeah, oh, definitely. This isn't quite black and white. In my memory, it was, but yep. I'm re-watching it. But you can tell he really wanted it to be sort of super washed out and uses that blue-gray effect yep. in a lot of it that's almost grayscale, that kind of 90s blue computer effect. I didn't. I didn't think it was actually a bad video. No, not he, at all. he actually gets to do a bit of acting. It's like a kind of little mini spy movie. One of those, you know, pretending we're doing James Bond things. But yeah, he's not bad given the right role. Like Sean Parker, the guy from Napster and Social Network. I reckon he was pretty good as that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't seen uh, whatever that one with the dog. What 
when they tried to make him a movie star briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Is that but, a film with, with JT in it? Yeah, it's called like, the, it's not The Power of the Dog because that's a new show. It's something. Yep. Yeah, anyway. Did you, um, dog. Did you see him in Southland Tales, JT? Tom? I did, yes. That was the best scene in Southland Tales. Yep. Not that's a particularly high bar to <laughs> Or maybe that one with the rock staggering around on drugs, kind of confused. In a... Yeah, I'm still waiting for Richard Kelly to <laughs> release the promised real version of the fixed up version or whatever of that film. I, I wouldn't hate a Mission Impossible-esque role for JT. You know, yeah. he's, sort of, he's quick on his feet. He looks good in a suit. Chicks love him. Maybe he could go up against a sort of spectre-like consortium composed of the insane, hideously disfigured former members of NSYNC. Yeah. You know, conspiring <laughs> yeah, to destroy the world from the shadows. Well, Tom, I'm, I'm putting it out here. Um, I've, I've heard rumours. The next James Bond. <laughs> You've heard it here. Well... <laughs> Either that or the hey, next Johnny English. Couldn't um, be worse a, than some. <laughs> sorry, just maybe he can be the fifth born identity or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> that definitely. one they keep trying to bring back from the dead. Yeah, definitely. So look, um, what about the lyrics, Tom? Uh, written by JT, produced by Timberland, as yep. you said. I'm bringing sexy back. You motherfuckers, watch how I attack. Mm. If that's your girl, better watch your back. Not sure why I'd be watching my back, but always bringing sexy back because she'll burn it up for me, and that's a fact. What do you reckon she's burning up for him, Ben? Um, some sort of evidence, I think, in a trial, Could, maybe. That's yeah. if it was Shakira, I assume, yes, destroying maybe tax it's records. Yes, hips but don't lie type situation. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm not sure. Either way, it sounds sexy to me. Maybe yeah. she found a way to generate geothermal power downstairs and now his underpants are off the grid. I would suggest that could be the case. It's best, my <laughs> best guess. Um... Number one song with motherfucker in it. It's it's you know when you're going for this yeah. when you're going when you're going for a song you think this is going to be the first single off the album I'm going to get it out they got to get it onto radio it is a bold move but you can always just do a bit of a beep over oh it's always the mother the it's the mother yeah. arcs by yeah. this point they've moved past beep but they still yeah. don't have the balls to have yeah they've got rid of beeps which is yeah. which is good yeah definitely yeah they, that's right they just usually go yeah they just drop the vocal down don't mm-hmm. they so it's just silence for a bit there's so. an entire flight of the Concord song where they just do it with their own voices which is pretty <laughs> yeah. funny um, sixty seven cents. 24 million listeners for JT. We knew that. Two weeks, still a surprise for me. I, I just oh, assumed it would have been. These discogs prices are creeping up this year. Do they you are, reckon yeah. maybe it's because. Apart from that Chris Brown single, which is two cents, yeah. But, well, that was probably set on fire. <laughs> um, do you reckon maybe it's because they are printing less physical stuff? Nowadays. Yeah, I do. So the, you know, the physical stuff on Discogs, which is what Discogs sell, yep. they're not selling digital files. Yeah. Maybe they're... I'll just have to see as time goes on whether the physical yeah. version is going up. But I think you're right there in a sense that by when five years ago, when we were doing this around 2000, mm. it was just all... CD Under, singles and yes. you know and then there was gradually oh we're doing downloads now but by now you would suspect that a great number of yeah. the songs would have just been downloads through iTunes well as we said we just this year yeah, um, iTunes just passed its one billionth yep. download and that's going to go up exponentially well exactly. at least until they cancel no, my change this Yeah, year. so less, you're right, probably less physical copies. So, yeah, who knows? In a couple of years' time, we might be getting into dollar amounts rather than so just hold on to your old Chris Brown CDs. <laughs> exactly right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, great. All right, up next, um, Sandy Tom, I wish I was a punk rocker bracket with flowers in my hair, in bracket, 
10 weeks. <sighs> 10 weeks. 10 fucking Australia, weeks. Australia, what the fuck is wrong with you? Now, it's last two week. Two and a half months. I'd successfully managed to forget this fucking song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Look, um, I hadn't heard it for some time as no, well. Actually, a friend of mine a few months ago, just when I was in a shop and I heard that I was, wish I was a punk rock with flowers in my hair song, I'd completely forgotten about that. Uh, and, and it was terrible. And I was like, yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, last week we had one of the worst songs of the decade and to be fair, the millennium. With, Perhaps uh, Crazy time. Frog, yes. um, Axel F, <laughs> where conceptually the entire thing was completely fucked. Mm. Um, whereas with this, I must say that only the lyrical concepts are completely <laughs> fucked. Is that a fair assessment? Um, this is low-key, uh, probably a dark horse for worst of the decade. Yeah, it would certainly be in the top five, yep. for sure. I'd put this up right next to Fuck You, I Don't Want You Back by Eamon. <laughs> Yeah, that's not great, is it? So This look, is less hateful, but it's more fucking irritating. Yeah, now, it does make the listener ponder, though, such deep questions as, what is music? <laughs> as this doesn't actually have any. Yes. Nothing... Yeah, no, you're quite right. Um, nothing that I would consider to be composed music, but then people might say, just... Music doesn't have to be composed. It can be, you know, you look at sort of jazz and impromptu mm. type music where people just get into a groove and go off the cusp and try and do things. So just because something is impromptu doesn't mean that it can't be music. Yeah. But this is someone shaking a maraca mm. for uh, a couple of minutes with a bit of hand clapping from time to yeah. time. It's barely a song. Yep. It really is. The production is 90% raw vocals and she does not have the Janis Joplin voice you need to pull that shit off yep. it also forces you to learn to listen to the lyrics even harder which you know we've get into but i know singers fucking love the idea of the first voice or chorus with no instrumentation to highlight the beauty of their voice and mm. lyrics but the number of them with the combined vocal talent and songwriting ability to justify that is about as high as the ticket price for a sandy tom show right now <laughs> <laughs> the video is the same. It's a person walking down London Street toward the camera while singing. Yeah. Now, if you're not Kylie Minogue being directed by Michelle Gondry, then maybe think of something more flattering to your meagre talents, you ask wipe. Because that's already been done a hundred times and you are not more interesting than that. If someone came up to you and said, I've got this idea for a music video, you're going to be walking on the street or one take. <laughs> Would you be like... The first time someone did that, I'd be like, that's cool. But God. by now, it's uh, total bullshit. Yeah, it's like someone saying, hey, what if you had a bunch of signboards with bits of the words printed <laughs> on them? And as they came past, you dropped them onto the ground in front of you. Well, like, okay, that wasn't particularly interesting the first time someone did it. Yeah. And people have copied it 400 times since then. And it got progressively less interesting each time. Yeah, so exactly. unless I'm simultaneously got fireworks coming out of my anus yeah. then probably no I'll think of something else thanks yeah look so as we said th this song has no music what I would consider to be music but I guess the backing track doesn't really matter with a song when you have such sublime lyrical content as this song um, <laughs> yeah well that's actually the biggest problem with the song um, the title should tip you off as to how inane the whole piece is I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in mm. my hair Tom I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. Yes. Now, I don't expect everyone 
to know all the tropes of punk rock and I wouldn't expect Sandy to get around a swastika shirt <laughs> in the music video as a tribute to Sid Vicious or sing about heroin abuse or living in squats and yeah maybe you want to avoid focus on some of the less glamorous aspects of punk lifestyle and focus instead on Vivian Westwood and high fashion but conflating punk uh, with flowers in the hair hippies mm. is one of the fucking stupidest things ever. I mean, it's it's ever in music, maybe. <laughs> one of the stupidest things of all time. And look, we talked about My Humps last week as mm. having some of the most ridiculously mm. shit lyrics of all time. But, look, you know, punk was the antithesis of, and, you know, a lot of things, obviously, but particularly progressive rock and the hot hippie ideals, I guess, at around that time. So the fact that your song title is I Wish I Was a Punk Rock with Flowers in My Hair shows a less than I've read a 15-minute Wikipedia article on punk level of understanding. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, it's just, it's not great. And, like... (laughs) For what it's worth, I know people listening to this aren't designers and some people don't care about this stuff, but the cover design for this single is one of the shittest <laughs> things I've ever seen released professionally. And that includes Love Generation from earlier this year, which looks like it was designed by a stoned eight-year-old using only the things stuck to the family refrigerator door. This is worse than that. Have you actually seen it? It's- um, I don't know if I have, but I'm going to look at it now. Yeah. Oh no, I yeah, I I probably would have because it's literally just scribbles. I shouldn't use the word literally anymore, but occasionally it is justified. As in here, it looks like a game show contest to design the worst CD cover in the shortest amount of time using only one crayon and a sheet of yellow paper. <laughs> now that must be a re a fucking re-release. There's a yeah. It's another one. Anyway, except that's actually less fun than that would be because I'd probably panic and draw a giant fanny or something. But yeah, yeah look, it suits the music, I'd say. Sure. Oh, look, um, yeah, if the cover's dog shit, then certainly it's it's sort of the purpose of alerting the general public that what they're about to buy is going to be completely trash. So, look, I mean, Tom said that she wrote the song after being robbed of her mobile phone and other belongings one evening, leaving her completely lost and without any way of contacting Friends, family, or the bank, she okay. says. I wondered if that had happened to me, you know, in the day of the hippies. What would I have done, and would I have freaked out so much? Because, whatever, what, why? I don't know. Like, okay. because back in the hippie days, you know, if someone stole my wallet, it wouldn't have mattered or something. Oh, or I don't okay. have a phone. Like she's saying, oh, I'm too attached to technology, man, and I care too uh, much. Okay. Look, I can understand that look it would be terrifying to be robbed and you might want to write a song about it but how the fuck ended she ended up with this song from that sort of scenario as anyone's guess do you think the robbers if they'd known that this song was the result would have still robbed her I don't think they would have they would have just left her alone um, but then here's another thing the story of her purportedly being robbed of her possessions and then coming yeah. up with the song is probably fake anyway because everything about her entire career is completely fake. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> so the song is a terrible. But then she was billed as the first artist discovered by a major label via a webcast. Um, okay. Which, for those people, we, what's a it's just like a YouTube it's video. Just, well, bro- yeah, broadcasting live. So just like going Facebook Live or, you know, doing a video, going live on Instagram, which, or whatever your source is, OnlyFans maybe if you're, you know, (laughs) doing something with fruit and vegetables. But um, certainly back in 2006, broadcasting yourself live Mm -hmm. was probably a novel concept. So 
the claim is that she was in a bedroom flat, you know, playing the songs and someone from a major label saw this and went, oh, we've got to sign her. So that's great. So that's the publicity story that they gave. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened was that the, the single was originally released in 2005 um, on a record label called Viking Legacy. So <laughs> fuck that means. Um, went nowhere. Then she signed to Sony and Sony ended up circulating this story that, you know, she played in a basement flat. It had gone viral. 70,000 people had tuned into this, including an executive who signed her. Um, but the story's fake. She did do webcasts, but it didn't get anywhere near the number of viewers. It turned out that she was signed to a major label before she did the webcast, and they were just used as marketing purposes to create a fake. She was found on the internet story. As you may forget that around this time, artists like the Arctic Monkeys were signed off the back of being big on MySpace. So it seems completely crazy, and young people might be like, what the fuck? But there was a period of time where... Um, it was novel for an artist to put their yes. an unsigned artist to put their music onto MySpace yes, or something. It was the start and of people would going see it viral, and, and then yeah. they'd get signed. So, yeah. so that was new at the time. So the record label created this whole backstory of people saw her shitty webcast, and then yep. this was the result. So anyway, the story got circulated, got some traction, created interest in the song. Oh, what this girl got found on the internet? Better listen to this song. Um, and it was enough for it to be a number one for 10 weeks in Australia. Oh, fuck, that's terrible. 10 fucking weeks. So creating a fake story to sell records, you know, it's music marketing 101. So I guess it's sort of nothing new for someone to uh, yeah, invent something. But this yeah. level of fakeness um, was pretty shit and somehow projected this song into the, yeah, <laughs> the minds God. of people. And fucking hell, it is so bad. I can't yeah. even believe that anyone you could handle, would go out If and it was this. good, you could forgive that. You know, there's always a bit of self-mythologizing that goes along. Yeah. Often it's from the artist end and the music, the publishers just push it. But yeah, but if, if it's good enough, you forgive them. Yeah. Or if this was a genuine accidental hit, then I would think, well, it's fucking terrible, but at yeah. least she got to the top herself. But the idea that this was constructed is disturbing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I can't believe everything about this. To, to be <laughs> yeah. honest, that that first Arctic Monkeys album was hyped to the heavens off the basis of their sort of quasi-viral success. I remember yeah. that. So I can sort of see why overpaid, unimaginative twats would try to immediately recreate the unrecreatable idea of an you know underground success and you get like two bites of the cherry you know first of all someone else discovers a genuine underground bad for you that band for you thus doing the job you're too shit to do yourself and then they give you a free promotional campaign on top of it e.g an actual grassroots story of how that happened which you also don't have to put down the rolled up 50 long enough to concoct yourself you know (laughs) and you can go straight back to lunch but yeah, I mean, for one thing, Arctic Monkeys weren't a mainstream pop success. Yeah. You know, they were their album was a big hit because it, I think it was the first album to get to number one without being 
on a was it? I'm not sure. There yeah, were, there was some record for them. Maybe it was downloads or something. Yeah, but yeah, but as you'll notice, I don't think they had any number one singles. No, no, not that I not know. Not this of, year, but anyway, certainly. But, yeah. but it was certainly a sort of hey, we just recorded some songs by yeah. ourselves with our own money. And the story and becomes then we put the them story on this, self. and then people, yeah, yeah exactly. People so like that, was, that narrative for yeah. sure. So they just ripped off the entire story. Except change it into a fake, you know, webcast thing. But fortunately, it didn't um, work. Oh no, it did work. <laughs> and then it did work. <laughs> just just fifteen minutes. For one of the worst for 15 songs. Minutes, yeah. yeah. So that's terrible. Look, um, her follow-up single only reached thirty-six in Australia, and Good. she's done Good. fuck all since on the chart. So I guess that once people, I don't know whether people even bothered to find out that the whole story was fake. But anyway. I'd never career heard that just story completely. at all. I just thought, fuck this song sucks. Oh, I hope it the goes song away is so quickly. bad, you wouldn't bother doing yeah. any research into the backstory because you're just like going, I hope she goes away, and she did. Um, a covers collection did feature um, November Rain, though, so, which <sighs> I'm sure... I'm sure she did that justice. <laughs> Better hope Axel doesn't find out about that. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, look, Charlie Brooker, um, oh, Charlie one of Brooker. my favourites, who used to write... Um, a lot on the Guardian back in the day. Yeah, so, used to do annual TV yep, wipe yep. things. He's, he's busy these days yep. doing stuff. So um, to probably not just write articles about <laughs> random crap. Oh, he does Black time. Mirror. Well, exactly. Yep. So that's probably I'm sure that's his full time job now. But um, I remember uh, reading something about that Charlie Brooker had written about this song like years <laughs> ago. I remember that. Um, and I tried to find it, and I was able to find it. And he said, "I've not heard the Sandy Tom single all the way through yet." But I've seen the TV ad about six billion times, and the short poxy burst uh, on that is more than enough to convince me that her sudden rise to stardom wasn't the end result of a shrewd marketing campaign. Then the implications are terrible. To believe the official story that thousands of people voluntarily subjected themselves to this shit online, then recommend it to their friends, is to lose your faith in mankind completely. <laughs> so look, I think that's a fair point. That the the, that's the true. marketing yes. campaign. Is at terrible, least, yeah, but the at least, alternative is worse. Yes, and no. that is that people actually just went and bought this. Um, <laughs> but this was an authentic viral hit. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. So I don't know. Man, look, um, lyrical highlights. I don't. They can't be. Many. Oh, look, they're all at highlights. At the end of the chorus, she says, "I was born too late to a world that doesn't care." Trust me, Sharon. Nobody in the '60s would have given a shit either, and punk rockers would have spat directly into your face. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, much like Alanis Morissette's song, ironic, even at the time, people pointed out the obvious flaw in the title. And much like Alanis herself, this made Sandy defensive. And I believe her argument was, look, I know punk rockers don't wear flowers in their hair. The next line says, in 77 and 69, revolution was in the air. E.g., I guess she's trying to combine the popular conception of two cultural movements into a sort of quasi-sentimental generational malaise at having nothing to fight for mm. or by comparison to these two eras. I mean, some people might say there was plenty of shit to fight for in 2006 and indeed every year since, maybe read a fucking newspaper. Or they might <laughs> say that Radiohead managed to do it in with the words, I wish it was the 60s, I wish I could be happy. That's 12 words <laughs> in another in much better song. Or they might say that if you have to explain the grammar of a song in interviews to your own irritation, then maybe you should have worked a bit harder in the first place instead of staring out the window and daydreaming about a time when record shops were still on top and vinyl was all that they stocked and the super info highway was still drifting out in space. 
question mark. <laughs> Kids were wearing hand-me-downs and playing games meant kick-arounds and footballers still had long hair and dirt across their face. Yeah. Now, leaving aside the weird shit about footballers, does she realise that record shops still exist? Nobody is forcing you to use the internet. You can still play kick the can in the fucking park whenever you want. And that vinyl was a massive fucking pain in the dick, which is why most people don't use it anymore. Do you think yeah, it's uh, probably Good fair. luck walking around staring into shop windows thinking about how awesome you look while listening to an entire record player in your fucking pocket. Yeah, look, and that's that's the other thing about this song. Um, the title is moronic and makes no sense, but then the rest of the lyrics are just as bad. Oh, yes. The no, it's like, it's like ironic. You, no matter how many times you explain, like even if we take your word for it that this is what you meant on purpose it doesn't stop them being a big pile of crap as yeah well. exactly it's right. not there's no saving this one love no Sorry. so look um 10 weeks is just depressing isn't it i mean it's that's, bad that's completely it's insane, bad so. this is a bad argument for a singer songwriter yeah. I, I like i'm gonna have to agree with chris brooker here i'm gonna put this one down to a giant fucking you know, mind control conspiracy by record companies and hope that the Australian public get some sort of pass from that. Maybe it was just, what? Ten they, weeks. She, Ten they found weeks. her on the internet? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's I'll check this out. a new thing. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Let's oh, say fuck. it's that. Quickly. All right, 18 cents. Um, don't, don't buy it <laughs> under any circumstances. No. Um, 466,000 listeners. That's too many. They, they, this must be on a playlist of like worst songs of forever or something like that <laughs> that ends up somewhere but yeah it's it's terrible um all right up next speaking of terrible um the u2 <laughs> and green day the saints are coming only one week for one this week one. for this so this is a cover of the skids 1979 song um and it is not great the original is about a billion times better but given the parties involved um that's rather obvious i would have suggested so yeah, yeah the skids were a scottish punk band uh, this song is from their second album scared dance and only got to the giddy heights of 48 on the uk charts in 1978 the members went on to form Big Country, who you might know from their one hit in a big country. That's like sort of C-tier, AOR, 80s supermarket rock, you know. But yeah. but yeah, I'm with you. Like, I do prefer the original, but I've got to say, I don't think, unlike um, Chris Brown and bloody that uh the waitress's song yeah i don't think the gap of quality is so big no it's not a particularly memorable 1979 song frankly no no and i don't think this is too and maybe i might just be getting you know some sort of weird psychological situation after having to listen to i wish i was a punk <laughs> rock with fucking flowers in my hair but i don't think this isn't that terrible it's just kind of oh, it's just kind it's of bland. just kind of mediocre yeah, yeah but know. look the single was recorded as a charity single to yes, assist to the victims of hurricane katrina so yeah them doing this song you're right it's it like a kind of live aid situation like it's just like well this is sort of mediocre but it's to a good cause i guess so you know. yeah look do you think though i mean obviously if your house was destroyed by hurricane katrina all of your possessions were lost you had nothing but the clothes on your back no food no clean water nothing and you're approached by a charity and they said people have donated money we can assist you in getting your life back together and you said oh what people and they said oh you two and green day recorded a cover of the 1979 skid song the saints are coming what? and then they played you the song and you realized the money you're about to receive was a result of this song do you think you'd say oh thanks i'm good i might say why don't they cover the waitresses? <laughs> Some people say that. Over the helicopters go, what? 
There's poo for skids. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. Look, the good people of New Orleans would, you know, do you think they'd rather drown than have the levee rebuilt from funds <laughs> generated by this song, do you think? I don't really I'd, know. If I was on a rooftop, I'd rather the, I'd rather the funds to repair the levee come from U2 and Green Day doing the Saints of Coming than Madonna covering uh, when the levee was dry. Yeah, the good old boys drinking whiskey and rye. It's New Orleans. I mean, don't you want <laughs> Phil Anselmo covering an "I Hate God" song? Do you think that's what probably what you would prefer? But which song, Ben? Perhaps "Masters of Legalized Confusion." That's kind of appropriate in the aftermath. "White <laughs> Neighbor." That seems oh, yeah. fairly appropriate. What about New Orleans? Is the new Vietnam? That's true. Yeah, that seems on an outside chance maybe "Sister Fucker Two. "Sister Fucker Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Um, yeah, hard to know, but yeah, I'm not sure. I think I the didn't people. Actually no, they were from New Orleans. Oh, they That's are, yes, great. they are. That so, makes more sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, anyway, I guess we can't be mad at these guys for, for dying. Oh, no. Like the Live Aid stuff, you know. But, but as you say, it is pretty dull. Like, Yeah, look, um, this is the only number one song for Green Day. So yeah. we've spoken about U2 before. I don't In think the mainstream. To, they would have been yeah, on the oh, alternative charts yeah, all the time. Yeah, they've sold a fuckload of records. But, yeah, um, we yeah. Don't, you know, U2, we've spoken about Boner and uh, The Edge enough we don't talk about those guys much anymore but yeah Green Day this is their only number one even that even that Time of Their Lives song absolutely Um, you would have thought that would have been that was around everywhere for like five years but that only made it to number two on the charts so this is the only time we get to talk about Green Day you got anything to say about them yeah, uh, Green Day frontman Billy Joel Armstrong, t- he told reporters why he chose to participate in this. We hope that by collaborating with you two, we'll remind the public that the people of the Gulf Coast are still suffering. Katrina was last year, yep. obviously, and still need help to rebuild their lives. The Edge uh, and Music Rising are providing support to schools, churches, musicians, etc. We're honoured to be asked and proud to be part of that sort of thing, you know. Yep. Much like a lot of Bono's good works, that seems undeniably well intentioned, but also a good bit of self publicity, yep. especially covering a song called The Saints Are Coming. I personally preferred Kanye West's George Bush Does Not Care About Black People, <laughs> which he said on a fucking telethon while standing next to a visibly uncomfortable Mike Myers. <laughs> it's really heartfelt and touching. I rewatched it. He only just released his second album. He looks really young and awkward, and he's clearly just winging it and looks like he's about to panic or cry. But, I mean, he's absolutely right about what he's saying. He's just saying, you know, when it's black people, they're looters. When it's white people, they're, you know, looking for food and yeah. stuff like that. And he doesn't have that sort of bombastic ego that he has now where he just off the dome but yeah yeah exactly I think yeah I mean I remember watching that recently as well and I think Mike Myers just keeps reading off the teleprompter doesn't he just like yes and (laughs) he said apparently he said like just before they went on he said like he was he said "I'm, I'm just gonna you know improvise and he's like okay but he didn't know what he was actually going to say. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, my boys keep sort of glancing back and forth, waiting for someone to tell him what to do and then stiltedly reading the prompter. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, those charity telethon things never go any deeper than we need money, really. I just yeah. I just watched bits of an Australian flood relief telethon that managed to go the full length, I can't remember how long, it was like three hours or something, without one person saying, hey, what happened to the government's $5 billion disaster relief fund or why the fuck do we have to do this in the first place or is this just going to keep happening every fucking year from now on? That's true. Yeah. It's just people answering phones and we need money, here's people. And, you know, it was really rare and nice to see someone actually say something I'm saying we need an Australian Kanye Ben and his yep. name 
is Tony Barber. Oh, or maybe I think I'm open so. to suggestions as well if you got any better ideas. Um, that Antipodean um, Chris Brown impersonator <laughs> could could double up as a X Brown Chris collab Lee, yeah, yeah. for sure. No, Sorry, look, I interrupted you. Did you have something you wanted to say about Green Day? Oh, not really. I mean, look, this is all you need to know. Facebook founder and Green Day fan Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> asked Billy Joe Armstrong to play at his wedding in 2012. <laughs> if Mark Zuckerberg likes your band, then it's definitely shit. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yep. That seems like a dude you, you who's don't so, want to be whose finger is so far <laughs> off the pulse of any popular culture and never has been that if he's like, my favourite band's Green Day, it's like, well, fucking hell, that must be You gar- don't want to be known as hot the, the Facebook of punk, do you? It's no, not, exactly no right. So, that. look, um, Green Day song, American Idiot, um, written in 2004. Um, mm. so things could get much worse, it would appear. So, um, that came... Oh, this is, sorry, just something that I was reading... The other day, yeah, that was came, Gulf War era. Um, Gulf came, War II. Yeah, so he's like, I'm writing a song about how bad America is right mm-hmm. now, but don't worry, we're going to write this song and things are going to be on an upward trajectory. <laughs> and then it's just like, I don't know, bro, you're going to elect the dude that's um like sells steak and is a reality <laughs> TV show host in about ten years. So see how that part goes. But look, anyway, so um, South China University of Technology, they determined that American Idiot is apparently the most dangerous song to listen to in a car. Uh, according to their research, listening okay. to higher tempo tunes is more likely to make you drive faster and risk dangerous manoeuvres. Okay. So American Idiot, uh, which uh, is 189 BPMs, came top of their tally, followed by Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA and the killers, Mister Brightside. These are all dangerous songs. Apparently, recommended listening to um, dance music. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. The South I mean, it's China pretty fast uni- for a punk song, but yeah, that university obviously wasn't listening to any death metal with blast beats um, or any speedcore extra tone. Um, if no. American Idiot. Or here's Johnny. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly right. You know, I think Speedcore gets up to 250 BPMs um, purportedly. Extra tone, like over a thousand. So, if American Idiot will make you, you know, drive dangerously, then you know that shit will make you drive off a bridge into the sun. I think so. Don't know. Trip J did once do ran, ran a funny just call in thing one afternoon when I was listening. Where they're just like. One got, one of the announcers said, I, "I nearly crashed my car yesterday because I was listening to this song." And I just said, "Ring in if you've." Prang car from listening to a song and like dozens of people yeah. rang in and said how they'd just been gone a bit too fast or like they were tapping their foot like at the lights or yeah. something and then tapped the pedal <laughs> or something like that. It was just, I thought that would be a fairly isolated thing. But yeah, no, it happens all the time. So don't go listening to um, American Beat Idiot. It's the most American. dangerous yeah. song that I'll, exists. I'll try and so. resist. I'll try and hold back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've deleted all Green Day off my iPod, Tom. Um, so it's, it's completely gone so one week for this um two dollars 82 Jeez. so i'm not I, I don't know if you buy this off discogs for two dollars 82 if discogs then pass you know Maybe. the money on to, to it may have been only victims. released as oh, on a charity album yeah, or something probably. yeah exactly right so um, it's then, not it's, that's no. not and then 17 mil for you two, 20 mil for Green Day there you go what are the, what are the lyrical highlights it's all about the saints is that right um uh, if I had to guess I'd say they chose the first four lines of Rising Sun at the start that Billy 
oh. things just but, because it's got the word New Orleans in it. Oh, okay. Presumably it, yep. not because it goes on to make it sound like the shit so is a mashup. This is a mashup. Sort of. But really he just sort of sings the first four lines of New Orleans, sadly, which to me doesn't match the rest of the song. It's just because it's got of rising sun just because it's got New Orleans in it and uh, it makes New Orleans sound like a poverty you know. and crime and you know <laughs> the original Skids song seems to be maybe about an absent father <laughs> using the weather as a kind of metaphor yeah. although the lyrics do work in this version so props to whoever picked it if it was Bono or someone else like they are weirdly kind of Similar to it. Um, the saints are coming, the saints are coming. I say, no matter how I try, I realise there's no reply. A drowning sorrow floods the deepest grief. How long now? Until a weather change condemns belief. How long now? When the night watchman lets in the thief, what's wrong now? Now, the last line isn't in the original, Ben, but you know Bono. He never saw a lily that he didn't think would look better with a thick coat of gold paint yep. dripping all over it. So, yeah, I think that's some sort of bush reference or something. But still, the first two the, the two lines there, a drowning sorrow floods the deepest grief until the weather change condemns belief that that's not, that's just yeah. coincidentally happens to be about. And also the trying to call the saints, but they're not, but realising they're not coming, like, you know. Did the yeah. skids uh, provide a response? Did they say, look, <laughs> our lyrics are like our children, how dare you... <laughs> Take what we've done and then change it for your own, <laughs> you know, publicity. I assume they were too busy on a big country um, reunion yeah, tour, no, you know, as part of a 20-song 80s bracket. And then the, the skids are songwriters of that song. They would have received some royalties from this. So were they, did, were they, did they keep them or did they, were they forced to <laughs> give them to Hurricane Katrina victims? What if the members of the skids are like, I'm fucking destitute, bro. Like, I yeah. need this money. And it's like, you've got to give it to Hurricane Katrina. It's like, Well, nah. like I said, this got, the highest this got was number 48 in the UK, the yep. original. And I think back then that meant about 500 copies. Yeah, so so they probably need the money. Probably, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Good on them for, uh, you know, the back. Of, maybe they toured off the back of this. Maybe they played around everyone. Maybe. Went, oh, from that Green Day Those thing about guys. floods. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So up next for two weeks, Scissor Sisters, I Don't Feel Like Dancing. Ah, uh, yes. Now, yeah. faint praise I know, but this is one of the better songs of this year. Yes, I would um, say so. So there's been a few shit boxes in there, but this is better. Um, look, I dare say this would still get people up on the dance floor. It's a very dancey song. It makes a welcome change from that Sandy Tom bullshit and whatever the fuck you two and Green Day were doing. But yeah. Oh, I reckon it's fun as hell. This yep. is the first song from their second album, Ta-da, which is... Good name, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, I personally preferred their previous big single, Take Your Mama, yep. which is lyrically great also and more of an Elton John-style piano rocker than this, yep. which this is more like full disco, basically. Yeah. Which is a bit ironic given that I think Elton John co-wrote this. He did, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how that worked, whether he listened to that other song and got to know it and was like, geez, this sounds a lot like me, or they said in interviews. I did try to look this up, but I couldn't find it. Mm. Whether they said in interviews, this was influenced by Elton John, and then he liked that so much that he was like, do you want to do something on our next song, you know? But then they did this with it, which doesn't sound as much like an Elton John song. I don't reckon that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're right. So, um, co-written by Owen John, and it does sound a bit like the Bee Gees, but look, yes. you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. He's got a bit of that sort of uh, high-pitched falsetto. He definitely thing. does, yeah. Yeah, Elton also does play the piano on this track. Ah. But again, the piano is not to the forefront as much on this. But um, he was clearly a big fan. I think this connection gave me the idea that these guys were actually a UK group or like transatlantic. Yeah. But no, they are as New Yorkers hating Donald Trump while a rat drags a slice of pizza into a sewer full of Ninja Turtles. They, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, that's my new analogy that I've made up. Yeah, the thing I like about the Scissor Sisters the most, Tom, is that when they broke big and were asked about the band name, they didn't try and come up with some fake revisionist bullshit. Like, <laughs> oh, when we were at college and art school, you know, we knew these sisters. There was these twin sisters oh, that we went to went to that. school with at art school, and they always carried scissors around, Tom, because they were cutting out magazine stuff and books, and they were making these amazing collages. Oh, yeah, Pearl and Jams, so, cool. and we're cutting Pearl them all out. Just Doing all that. Pearl used so, to make jam. Exactly. It was so, really good. so we saw the sisters, and we, they, we used to call them the scissor sisters. They always had scissors cutting stuff out. It was just like, yeah, it's lesbian scissoring, dude. That's like, <laughs> basically yep. what the name is. They were quite upfront about it, and it's all good. Although they were originally known as the fribulating scissor sisters. So they cleaned it up for commercial purposes, Tom. So um, I'm not sure why this took off, but my band, the Blowjob Brothers, didn't. Um, I think it just shows a disproportionate level of homophobia directed towards gay males than gay females. That's a double standard bit. I think it is, yeah, definitely. Look, I hope that we live in a world one day where people think, yeah, Blowjob Brothers is completely fine. Just two brothers giving each other blowjobs as a band name. That works, doesn't it? So it's okay. Or maybe it doesn't, I'm not sure. Oh, um, no. Who I has the right. best stage name of the Scissor Sisters? There's Jake Shears, mm-hmm. Baby Daddy, um, Del Marquis, uh, Animatronic, Ooh. or Randy Real. Not his real name. <laughs> oh, look, Animatronic is a quality drag name. Yeah, I give great. it five snatched wigs out of five. Yeah, no. Especially seeing as uh, it's not actually a drag queen. It's that's the one female member. I know yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's given herself a drag. Animatronic. It's really that's good. Great. So look, I like a good origin story for bands, um, and these guys oh, have doesn't? a pretty good one. Um, so Jake Shears and Baby Daddy moved to New York City. They began producing music together. They released a couple of singles to a little success. Um, you know, sort of appeared at some underground clubs in New York, etc. Yep. Then on a trip to Disneyland, the pair met animatronic at a screening of Michael Jackson's Captain Ear. <laughs> um, during a subsequent teacup ride, they discovered they had a lot in common and quote, I really thought she was a freak, but when I started seeing another part of me, she showed me the best moonwalk I've ever seen. <laughs> so they stayed in contact. Animatronic ran a weekly cabaret event known as Knockoff at a club called The Slipper Room in New York, where she hired eccentric acts uh, to perform. And a performer dressed up as a giant vulva uh, <laughs> enfolded members of the audience in a labia while singing Lick Me In My Wet Spot to the tune of Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot. So after that, they just went, yeah, you're in. So she ended up joining the group. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. So, yeah, for sure. Which is nice. Um, and let's just step back a bit. Um, sure. Are you familiar with Captain EO? Familiar with that? Yes. I watched some of it today. Yeah. Yes, so, just in case the crowd... Uh, um, so it was a 1986 American 3D science fiction film shown exclusively at Disney theme parks from 1986 through to 1998. 
So you'd go to the mm. theme park, you'd go on some rides, and then you'd go and watch this um, Captain EO sort of 20-minute short film, I guess. Um, it stars Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. was written by George Lucas and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It yep. goes for 17 minutes and cost $23 million. God. So it's safe to say no expense was spared. I don't know how much <laughs> of that was cocaine for Francis Ford Coppola, but... Um, that seems crazy to spend 23 mil on that. It's yeah. bananas. Yep. But I mean, what I like about that story is, in all honesty, it's possible that those three weirdos were the only people who walked into <laughs> that dusty-ass room the entire day. Exactly. So I'd call that kismet, like, you know... Uh, do you remember, I told you, like that uh, time I met my wife on top of the Maya building? <laughs> Remember that? We yes, got chatting right. and sure enough, you know, it turned out we both snuck up there illegally to try and take a shit on top of Sandy Tom's car, yeah. which is parked 18 stories below. Once I saw her pull down the strides, I knew I was in Absolutely. love, you know. Yeah, it was weird. And it just happened that we were up there at the same time. Both up there doing that, yeah, for but, sure. But no, did you, have you seen Captain EO? Oh, I watched it on YouTube, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird. It really, it's like we were talking about with, what was that other one? Was it the smooth criminal era Michael Jackson where it was just like, he got to that point where he'd just stay up late watching TV and whatever he, uh, uh, Moonraker, you know, Moonwalker. Moonwalker, Like whatever he'd saw on TV, he would ring up and go, I want to do this, I want to do that. Like, and obviously he'd just seen Star Wars and go, okay, can we do Star Wars? And it just looks, it's got the wacky puppets. There's like three different, you know, uh, three different C-3PO's and lots of little cute, puppets and stuff and then yeah yeah it's like we need a short film for disneyland it's like <laughs> oh okay it's cool like michael jackson wants to do it it's just like he wants francis ford <laughs> coppola to direct it it's like what but then of course it's like well, here's 10 mil for 15 minutes mm. work and it's like yeah okay i'll get him that'll fund half my next film or some shit i mean so. it was the whole point of it was that it was exclusive you could only yeah, yeah. see it there nowadays everything's on fucking exactly. youtube but yeah there's like a Miyazaki cartoon that they only show if you visit the Miyazaki studios in Japan. Okay. Which yeah. you probably find that. You know, yeah. You know I mean. But um, interestingly, they showed it 86 through 98, but then when Michael Jackson died, they brought it back for a short time. <laughs> so as a tribute <laughs> to MJ, you could watch um, Captain EO mm. there. Now you have to log into YouTube to see it. So yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, that's completely whack, but the Scissor Sisters first gained some traction with a cover of Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb. We all know the cover yeah, is always better than the original and that's no exception. Good Tom. cover. Yeah, good absolutely. Cover. So, um, look, we all know, um, well, we don't know, um, the group had no other number one hits in Australia oh, okay. um, or top 10 hits. So they kind of fit into one hit wonder territory, but to be fair, I doubt that mainstream success was ever the goal for the group. No. So I found this interesting. Um, so artists who have sold over 2 million copies of an album in the UK in the 21st century, mm-hmm. James Blunt, Robbie Williams, Keen, Dido, Coldplay, Nora Jones, Ed Sheeran, Adele, and the Sister Sisters. Scissor Sisters. I mean, so all just... Bland as <laughs> yeah, fuck, boring shit, exactly. and then this really stands out. If so. you had to listen to one of those albums at the gym next time, what would it be? I mean, yep. you'd pick this in a heartbeat, and you'd use the James Blunt to prop the window open while you threw the Ed Sheeran into a storm drain. <laughs> you got to be careful, Ben. If that landed on the street, some child might get hold of it. That's and, true, yeah. You know, it's not to be trifled with. Oh, if a gateway no drug to other <laughs> garbage. The so. weakest shit ever invented. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I think it's good. They, they did get songs played 
on alternative uh, other stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, that they Triple J played the Comfortably Numb song. They played, um, yeah, the. The yeah, this Take was just in, yeah, this was just a crossover hit that made it to number one. But yes, yeah, certainly yeah. in the alternate scene, they had a yeah. lot more songs that yeah, I knew certainly. Yeah. Um, lyrically, yeah. Uh, the lyrics and arrangement and falsetto vocal parts work as a response to Leo Sayer's nineteen seventy six hit "You Make Me Feel Like Dancing," ah, whereas this is "I Don't Feel, don't like, feel dancing, like Dancing," which uh, Ray Parker Jr. of Ghostbusters fame claims to have written and had pinched from him in demo oh, form. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, Ray so, Park Jr. Is, there's all kinds of lawsuits. I know. Yeah, um, I like it because, uh, like. Take Your Mum Up. It's not a complicated idea, but it's original enough to stand out. There really aren't many songs about not wanting to dance. (laughs) Exactly, that's true, yeah. Uh, Wake up in the morning with a head like, what you done? This used to be the life, but I don't need another one. You like cutting up and carrying on. You wear them gowns. So how come I feel so lonely when you're up getting down? It's basically just saying to your boyfriend, look, I know you like dancing, but I can't be fucked, so I'll yep. be back at home. Meet me back too. <laughs> yeah, look, Play it's a wrong. very fun song where it's just <laughs> it about is. staying at home and kind of being a bit depressed, I guess. Being like, mm, yeah, so. but it, but it's really perversely upbeat and yeah, disco exactly, yeah. It sounds like the song that you don't want to, you can't be bothered dancing to. Exactly. Like, so, yeah. yeah, for sure. That's good. Um, two weeks. As we said, 53 cents for this, three mil. So this has still got three mil. They still get club play, I reckon. They had more albums than I thought. I listened to a couple of their albums last year when I was trying to find stuff for lockdown. And they're they're really fun. There's heaps of good songs on their albums. Yeah, they've been... Are they broken up or are they just on a hiatus or something? I don't know. They, don't, they haven't released anything new remember, for some time. Not but, for a while, yeah. no. But um, yeah, they they kept they had more albums following this yeah. one. I mean, so. oh, but you know, you can be hiatus. You can come back anytime you want, oh, can't you? Sure. So who knows? So we there we go. Um, so that's good. Speaking of good, oh no, we're not speaking <laughs> of good. We're speaking of terrible. Um, Damien Leith, Night of My Life. Give me some reggae. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, it had to fucking happen. It was inevitable. The Idol winner from 2006. Yeah. At um, least they're thinning out a bit they, oh, as yeah. we go on. The other week we had like the winner, the runner oh, up, the fucking shockers. final 12, Casey yep. Donovan's, you know, fake lover. Shannon All, all, all this shit. So, yep. Yep. so this year we've only had this dude. So look, an acoustic ballad delivered with all the passion you might expect from someone performing a cover outside of a hot dog stand in the foyer of Kmart. Um, <laughs> thinking it was a Shannon Noel original and just hoping to scrape together enough loose change to buy a hot dog for lunch from the aforementioned stand, but knowing in their heart of hearts they'd fall short and would only end up with enough money to get a hot dog of even more dubious origin from a service station located three kilometres away. That's sort of the passion I'm feeling here. That's right. That's. I mean, admittedly, that's not an uncommon level of passion to get from an um, Australian Idol contestant. Yeah. But, yeah, he really does bring it home. He's got the look. He's got the vibe. Yep. I mean, he's really like... You know, you say hot dog, I say maybe a traveller's pie, Ben. Yeah, that's true. The only pie that dares to ask, what if a pie looked even more like a tiny coffin than a pie already does? <laughs> that's true. Have you tried the traveller's pie? I haven't, no. You know, one of them? It's the pie favoured by jet-setting international sophisticates on their way from Rome to Los Angeles via a connecting flight in Dubbo. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> it's basically just 
someone thought, how can we make a pie more hand friendly? Yeah. What if we made it longer and thicker? That's good. That's good. That's the way for Otherwise, man. did not improve it in yeah. any way. Good. <laughs> well, it's, it's the filling that you probably want to work on rather than yes, the shape. That's, that's the right. problem with airline cool. food. It's not the yeah. shape of that airline parmigiana no. that's causing me to not want to eat it. Or maybe focus your energies on, hey, what if we improved uh, Bain Marie technology since it was invented by the French in 1902? Yeah. It's a way of keeping pastry items warm in a way that doesn't turn them into a soggy wad of starch. Exactly. Look, um, this fits firmly into dude performing at Irish Murphy's on a Wednesday night that wasn't bad, but also wasn't good enough for you to bother finding out his name or when he was performing next. Long-term residency written on the back of the toilet door type. Yeah, how someone makes it from okay solo acoustic cover dude to winner of a talent contest broadcast on national television as anyone's guess so oh, God, this is it. pretty bland look I don't know if you look this up on Genius by the way the autofill cover image is yep. from an album entitled the 101 greatest housework songs <laughs> Okay. And we both know it absolutely doesn't even earn a spot on that list no, unless not. you're yelling at me to clean behind the toilet properly or you'll threaten to play this again. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how you're going to get housework done as a sheer threat. So this is Guantanamo Bay level material, isn't yes, it, I think? So, yes, um, Look, he still appears to be releasing music, and you know, I assume to fulfill his own creative desires as I doubt anyone could possibly want to hear his album, Roy, a tribute to Roy Orbison. Mm. Do you want to hear Pretty Woman performed by a man generally accustomed to busking for hot dogs? <laughs> money probably not or songs from Ireland or two of us songs of Lennon and McCartney do you think you want to hear any of that stuff I uh, looked him up apparently he was performing in Burnie last year oh good and charging $48.50 a ticket uh, I one out of those two facts I found believable. Uh, $48. Is that, is that, Austra- is that Australian it dollars? Was, it was a, I know. It was a whole fucking performance too. It was like a play with him playing both roles, you know, really leaning heavily into that Irish nonsense. But yeah. Yeah. Look, um, his website states over the years, Damien has crafted the best performances for all occasions in every environment. <laughs> From MC hosting to performing with his full band, Damien is a natural boy entertainer. Now, that raises a, a few issues. It does. I mean, admittedly, Damien can sing and play yeah. guitar. He's got a nice falsetto, um, hence the Roy Orbison thing, I guess. He was also a semi-professional musician in Ireland, where he was also a citizen when he won Australian Idol, the amateur Australian singing competition. Now, some might call that flagrantly dishonest, Ben. Some might even get angry. (laughs) But every time I try to muster an emotion while looking at a picture of Damien Leith, my brain simply slides into neutral. Yeah. It's like trying to maintain an erection while laying face down in a bath of chilled porridge. Yeah. Just impossible. (laughs) It's just like two drops of liquid Prozac into the eyeballs. Yeah. Um, Some people, sorry, have also suggested that at 30, Leith was too old to be a pop idol. Now, that's completely unfair. Pop music is still ultimately about music. And speaking (laughs) of music, you can listen to all of Damien's songs right now on his MySpace page. (laughs) That sounds like a shit joke, but it's not. You can. His MySpace page is still up. I mean, check that out straight away. That's awesome. Um, What I found interesting about his website, Tom, is that it says that, as we mentioned, he's crafted the best performances for all occasions. Yes. 
and every environment. That's a weddings. Big, that's a big brief. Um, just the Hague for war crime sort of um, right. trials. Um, so. Ceremony to welcome invaders from another planet, show them what human <laughs> culture looks like. Uh, exactly yeah. right. Camp so, David trying to get the Israelis and the Palestinians to, you know, find some common ground. For sure, definitely. He's got music for all Shannon that. Knowles' wedding. <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter, you know. Just Shannon Knowles' next wedding. Next after. wedding. Definitely all occasions and every environment. That is a bold fucking that is claim. A bold claim. Um, but look, he's a natural-born entertainer, so... <laughs> Which is in the next sense. So uh, let me ask you a question, Tom. How likely are you to sign up for the Damien Leith Academy? Mm. Um, at just $97 a month, you get songwriting course, singing intensive course, unlimited access to Damien Leith Academy, <laughs> monthly live calls that keep you accountable and motivated. Now, I'm not sure I could think of a worse way to spend $97 a month. Uh, the website has that 1990s infomercial vibe, singing lessons, access to videos, improve your songwriting, all this $2,000 worth of value for just $299. Of course, Damien himself has valued two 30-minute Zoom lessons at $1,800, so <laughs> not sure what the fuck is going on there. So, yeah. Um, How much could you teach anyone about anything in two 30-minute Zoom lessons. I don't know, but it's $2,000 worth of value. So oh, I just play this chord and sing this. And it's just like, the problem with singing lessons um, is that you can either sing or you can't. I, can, I understand that, mm. yes, you can improve, you know, there's certain techniques that people can use to improve their voice. But if, if you know, I just jumped on there and said, Damien, can you help me out? I don't really know whether there's a lot he could do over yeah. two, two times 30-minute Zoom lessons. But look, I don't know, Tom. Um, he is... Great for all occasions and every environment, <laughs> including true. Zoom calls. True. So that's that. From what I understand, every environment does cover it does, Zoom calls. That's true. That is included under that umbrella, so yep. it's okay. Um, and he is a natural-born entertainer. So <laughs> I think even if things go awry, and he says, "Look, I can't really help you out," I'm just like, "Well, Damien, can I have a 30-minute Zoom concert?" Because you know you are a natural-born entertainer for every environment. Um, so look, that, that could be okay. That mm, could be okay. Maybe. Look, um, he's also a radio announcer in the Illawarra area, Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, and he purportedly won an ACRA, an Australian commercial radio award, uh, for his parody recording of Mustang Sally titled COVID Sally, <laughs> um, which was ironically about as funny as contracting and subsequently dying from coronavirus. <laughs> so you can also check out some of the wackiest moments on the show, such as Things go wrong in the bathroom, the queen on Instagram, and that time Damien gives Stolzy tablets from France. Oh, wow. Now, I remember when that happened. <laughs> Fuck. Look, I best not besperch the name of one of Illawarra's finest radio announcers. Make sure you tune in to Damien, Jaden, Strainy every day on 96.5 FM. I should point out they are the sponsors of today's podcast time. God damn it, Ben. When will they pay us to run one of those bullshit FM shows? <laughs> okay, at 43, I'm a few decades young, but still, I reckon we could do it, you know? Yep. You don't even need to work a desk these days. Yeah. I mean, you would have to pretend to like Nickelback, but would you be up for it? I yeah. mean, sure, we'd have to move to Illawarra, probably get divorced... Yep. Think of all the gold drive time chat you could get from complaining about your ex-wife, the child support payments you can't afford, and getting back on the dating scene, Ben. I, know, I mean, can wacky. you make head nor tail of this Tinder thing, Ben? What's the deal with that? What is the deal with airline food as well? Those pies <laughs> oh, that they man. serve that look like a coffin. So um, the problem, thats it's a good idea, Tom, and I like that, but 
what you might notice with the Damien Jade and Strainy show, and this is the case with every fucking three-person uh, morning FM radio show, is that there's two dudes, so that's okay. Yep. But one of us would have to use our real name, and one of us would have to have a wacky fucking nickname, uh, and then we'd have to get a chick as well. So it raises <laughs> the question, do you want your own name, or do you want to have one of the wacky nicknames? Um, you can be... What about Tom and Boner? I'll be Boner. <laughs> Oh, and right. we'll get um, Mary or some okay, shit. Okay, you can be Boner, but as a reward, you get to press the sound effect button. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I have to do the you're complaining about my ex-wife, which means <laughs> I'm going to have to get married and divorced before then. But I reckon I can do it on the drive down uh, to Illawarra. It's Tom, Jade and Boner on 96.5 <laughs> FM. <laughs> Remember that time I gave Stoltzy tablets from France? <laughs> oh, oh, mate, you are incorrigible. Sounds hilarious. So look, Boing. anyway... But look, that's just, you're going to get some great stuff on that radio mm. show. He's a natural born entertainer, and the radio does include every environment. So, <laughs> what are the lyrical highlights of this? Uh, well, like Man, that other any... dog shit idol song we did, this was written to be recorded by the last two contestants of the oh, series. Yeah. In this case, that was Leith and Jessica Malboy, oh. who actually went on to be fun. Did this guy beat Jessica Malboy? Yep. Jesus. And she went on to be, you know, she's in movies and shit now. Yep. Uh, and was released by whoever won, just to preclude any tiny remaining shred of unlicensed artistic creativity might have gotten through by accident. Uh, Leith won, and the rest is history, provided you define history as a song nobody gives a shit about. Uh, originally written by Richard Wacker and Lee Kmabals, this song <laughs> tells the story of a night, but what sort of a night, Tom? The night when you win a reality TV show, of course. Because this kind of moment is only on loan end. It won't be too long till it leaves us behind. And when it's all over, I want you to know that I was with you when I had the night of my life. Now, he may have been old by idol standards at 30, but if it was the best night of his life, I feel genuinely kind of sad and sorry for the guy. I mean, for all of us, really. Life's so short, Ben, but, yeah. you know, you just naturally assume there'll always be some better moment coming later on. But yeah. maybe there won't, you know. Maybe that was the last best one you'll ever have, you know. It's dumb, but it kind of makes me choke up a bit. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, let me look at his photo again. Oh, that's better. Oh, it's like a vein full of lithium. Whew. Oh, man, that receding hairline. Ah, thanks, Damien. All right, quickly, let's yeah. move on. It is, I know what you mean. It is, it is a bit sad. I mean, I sort of I think about you know probably the best night of my life, and you sort of hope that you'll be able to recapture that um, sort of feeling again. And you know, I sort of thinking about it now that that time that um, um, Stoltzy gave me tablets from France, <laughs> oh, and it just sort of mate, you just are one of, the best, one of the best one of the best nights of my life. Yeah, that time I met my wife parking one over the edge of the Maya building onto Sandy Tom's <laughs> roof exactly. that was yeah that was great so it? 66 cents for this that's way that's way too much money don't do not <laughs> do that insane. and 36,000 listeners on oh, Spotify um, that's about what I would have yeah, thought yeah that's what I thought still too well. many and 36,000 of them would be on winners of idol playlists oh, be a winner, yeah. yeah idol winners playlists exactly so no one, no one's selecting any of his songs to listen to. The irony is like, not irony, I don't know if this qualifies as irony, but he's not terrible. It's just that like what you would assume from Australian Idol, it's just bland. not good enough to yeah. be bought by a record company, which is why he's not, which is why he was never a success in Ireland fully, which is why he never made a pop career here. He's like yeah. a qualified chemist or something. He doesn't need the money. He just likes the idea of being a pop star. Yeah. But he just isn't quite good enough 
which is should be what Australian Idol was called, the isn't quite good enough show yeah. mixed with the deluded fuck knuckle hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is where they weed out the insane people. Yeah, for sure. Look, that's the thing, you're right. He could have just went and done his job that he's qualified for, but I guess, Tom, when you're a natural-born entertainer, you just... <laughs> Have to. True, I forgot it, about it, that element. It come, it, it call. It's a calling. Yeah, Tom. I forgot about the every environment thing. Entertainer, yeah, he's crafted but, the best performances for all occasions and every environment. That's so. true. And when every environment does include the Borny Bernie Sports Tavern, yeah, exactly. at five p.m. on a Sunday. Exactly, you, know, you and the dogs. That's the calling. Space. That's, That's the right. calling time of being a natural <laughs> prompt. You know, you can't turn you can't turn off that creative tap, unfortunately. So look, yeah. um, so last song of the week for three weeks, one one week Over this week, year, yep. come in for two next week. But uh, it's Beyonce. Oh, thank you. Irreplaceable. Sorry. So we've got Beyonce on on. You know, we've had Beyonce light earlier in Rihanna, which is a Beyonce yep. knockoff. Um, but look, Tom, even Beyonce has gone weak-ass ballad on this I mean, one. she had plenty of them, but yeah, by number one standards of hers. Yeah. Um, this has got some, quote, uh, hip-hop drums, I guess I'm going to say, mm. over some acoustic action. So I guess we could call this one a thugged-out ballad. <laughs> is that is that how you're referring I to it? I was going to so? ask, would you call this more ho-wop or more playboy rap? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's probably more playboy rap. It's I definitely thugged out, whatever it's, it is. It's, it's we can, we can agree out, so. with that. Um, you know, I don't know. What do the Bayhive think of this one? Do you know, Tom? Do you know what they're feeling on this? Do you know how you become a member of the Bayhive? Like, do you... Is it Bayhive or Beehive? I've never... I've only seen it written down. I was I never sure. Bayhive. Bayhive. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense, would it? It's Bayonce. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, so do you just... So, for example, do I just say, you know... Oh, I'm a. I like Beyonce. I'm a Beyonce fan. So then you're in the Bayhive, <laughs> or is there some sort of initiation ritual or ceremony? You know, like do I need to go to Brashes and just start smashing up everything <laughs> that's not a Beyonce display? And then they go, all right, you're in the Bayhive now. You proved yourself. I don't really know how it works, but anyway, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll never know. Maybe I'll never know. <laughs> um, Neo wrote this as a country song. Oh, okay, if you can believe that, he was going to give it thought that Shania might sing it or Dolly Parton, one of those country people but it ended up with Beyonce yeah. uh, and if, if it was a country song it might just be the same song but less thugged out so they'd just yeah. get rid of the drums because the drums is the, the hip hop well, part yeah, the rest of it's just you're not left know. with much I no mean, you're not speaking of drums did you watch the video yes yeah the music video was directed by Anthony Mandler and served as the debut performance of Beyonce's all female band Sugar Mama <laughs> now I would love to tell you what the band were like but they are clearly not playing anything even vaguely <laughs> no. approximating this song so I can only comment on their miming and haircut haircut having skills yep. for which I'd give them about a B minus it yep. sort of looks like Beyonce saw L7 on TV 15 years late and thought that looks like fun they know wicked wisdom, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. not wicked wisdom. But it yeah. is kind of weird because, like you say, this was presumably, like, if this was originally intended to be a country and western song, then it would have been originally intended to have instrumentation. Yeah. But then there isn't really in this. Like you say, there's a drum beat, but, I mean, it could easily be a drum machine. Oh, there's a is, yeah. faint hint of guitar, like you might hear, you know, if you opened a window on a summer evening and just heard drifting yeah. across from another neighbourhood over somebody... You know, so what are the song? Sugar Mamas up to? Are they still Beyonce's like well, backing band? Or they appeared in a, a subsequent single, yeah. but I don't know whether she actually ever played live with them, like whether she brought them on stage. It just looks like one of those little vanity bands that 
singers do yeah. sometimes, you know. Except like Beyonce is actually a singer already, so it's not like Wicked Wisdom. Yeah, but you know, like, <laughs> like really, it does. It looks like she saw a grunge video way, way too late and went, "Ah, oh, wish I could wear cargo shorts occasionally." Sure, a live band, put yeah. a bit less effort into my hair, and you know. Oh look, yeah. well maybe if I'd like to see Sugar Mama's featuring Jada Pinkett Smith, sort of a new style, wicked wisdom. Yeah, type I mean, thing. imagine, imagine in her career by this point, from the age of twelve, like busking in. Um, hair salons and stuff yep. with her mad dad. Imagine how many dance routines and choreography situations Beyonce has gone through. Imagine yep. how many different styles of dance and stuff yep. she's done. Do you think she can headbang convincingly for one whole minute of a song? No, nah, no, she not. cannot. She, she has clearly to, never headbanged in she her needs entire the neck life. muscles rocking. But, but <laughs> she yeah. looks like a hair a shampoo commercial in fast forward. Is what she looks oh, like. It's really absolute. weird. Look, um, this is Beyonce's first and only solo number one single in yeah. Australia, wow. which is surprising. I yeah, thought, yeah you know, me too. The single ladies one with the, you know, put the ring on it or, you know, crazy in love with yeah. Jay-Z. I thought something like that they would be number one. They were both better than this. So yeah, exactly. But I was wrong. She's had uh, several US number ones. She has, yes. But um, I guess the general public in Australia were more interested in crazy frog and I want to be a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. True. Than, you know, actual <laughs> music. So, so, 10 weeks, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, either way, this song was incredibly successful. Topping show worldwide including in the US for 10 weeks yep uh, this why we were doing flowers in your hair for 10 weeks they were doing this for 10 weeks this that broke her previous record of 9 weeks on top with Baby Boy mm. and surprisingly Crazy Love was only there for 8 weeks it's still her longest running US number 1 so you know weirdly like say it's sort of Seems like kind of a half-assed ballad to me. It's yeah. not not terrible, but like the, yeah. the this would be her biggest song of all time. I yeah, you know, yeah, it does seem weird to me. I, it's it's almost one that I completely forget exists. And me too. Me ones. too. I had to re-listen to yeah. remind myself when the chorus kicks in. So yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that now. But yeah, apart from that, I can't really remember. So um, look, do you think this is obviously as you mentioned, Beyonce is only number one in Australia? Do you think that she's prouder of this or of um, her appearance in Austin Powers Goldmember <laughs> it's a shame she wasn't a bit more dynamic on screen isn't it because yeah. she'd be everywhere surely yeah. I mean maybe she prefers music yeah. to acting but you'd think they would have slapped her in one rom-com right oh, I mean yeah. like it's the same JT was in some movies you know definitely okay. I, yeah. I assume that I thought the same as you that um, either she wasn't into it herself or something because I would have thought yeah Beyonce you could have her in all kinds of stuff yeah. like you know Lady Gaga they, they trot her out for any sort of film that's got a musical yeah. band or not these days so I would have thought here's a film we need someone that can sing in it or a musical thing let's get Beyonce yeah about. or like a like a friggin Mariah Carey style embarrassing glitter thing about you know yep. the rise to stardom of a small town girl living in a lonely world takes the midnight train going anywhere you know yep. gets the traditional 48 hours grace period and then is world famous absolutely you know? look I think they read, need to remake Flashdance <laughs> I think with Beyonce I, mean, I mean I guess I guess the other possible option is that she had such a shit time acting opposite um, Michael Caine and Mike Myers <laughs> she went fuck that <laughs> yeah East out of yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, she looks. I mean, it goes without saying, but she looks fucking amazing in that film. Yep. She's. I struggle to remember a single line that she had, but no. you know, she wasn't offensively bad. She, no, you know, I've seen worse. 
Yeah, Rihanna in the fucking battleship. <laughs> Preview. I didn't watch yes. the film. No one watched the film. <laughs> or Oscar fucking winner um, and Catwoman star Halle Berry in several films, oh, including Jesus. Catwoman. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, look, so Beyonce and Jay-Z's combined net worth is over a billion dollars, I have which is this, impressive. Yes. But less impressive than Rihanna. So, yeah, you know, I'm sort yeah, of like thinking... takes the edge off a bit, doesn't Need it? to work harder, maybe buy some Burger Kings like Chris <laughs> Brown, something like that, or launch your own cereal for some extra cash. Just a few ideas there, yeah. guys. So, look, Lift your game, guys. Yeah, look, um, I guess one of the things that we haven't addressed is Beyonce... Um, so we won't get to talk about Beyonce solo anymore, but she's obviously had a lot of singles yep. and albums and releases since that she did that lemonade thing which was sort of um an album and kind of a film where she i guess mm-hmm. it was mostly just interconnected music videos type yep. thing um and you know i think that was quite interesting at the time because she spoke publicly about um i guess jay-z and and her relationship trouble so yeah. she sort of sung a lot a few of the songs on Lemonade, she speaks about um, you know Jay Z cheating on her, which is quite a, a public thing to do to sort of discuss yes. your partner, who's very popular, successful. You know, infidelity through song, and that raised a lot of things um, in real life. Um, but you know, I guess one of the things is the question of who who was Beyonce cheated on? You know, who did Jay yes. who did Jay Z do that? And I think that's something that they've kept sort of quite private. Um, but look, you know, there's been a lot of rumor and speculation. I've done my own research, Tom. I've sort of, you know, poured over forums. I've, I've spoken to people. I've sort of tried to see if I could find any information that I could about, you know, who it might be so that we could, mm. you know, drop something on the podcast as a bit of an exclusive. And, you know, I've done that and I think I know. And for the first time ever, I can tell you that Jay-Z um, was banging Damien Lee. Ah, I see. So, I see. Well... I mean, they they do say we all want what we haven't got. That's very true. Jay-Z is a multi-millionaire music star, but he still didn't have a pasty Irish balladeer in his jacuzzi. No, that is correct. He should have called Rod, Brian and Sting. They're always up for a tantric bubble bath. (laughs) Absolutely. With whoever, they're down for whatever, as the song says. For sure, for sure. So you heard it here first. Um, (laughs) Damien Lee. Quite controversial. I can't really, I can't, I personally It's never the one you expect, Vince. It's never the one you expect, exactly. I just thought maybe like Rihanna or something, but no, (laughs) Damien, hiding in plain sight, some would say. Uh, Lyrics. Um, Well, as you said, this was originally written by Nao from a male perspective. Beyonce changed the pronouns. Nao said um, he thought about it for a bit and then he thought this would help, this won't sound super good from a male perspective, so, you know, which it wouldn't. Uh, If you can't remember the song from the title, it's the one that starts with to the left, to the left, to Mm. the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box to the left, in the closet, that's my stuff. Yes, if I bought it, please don't touch. And keep talking that mess, that's fine, but could you walk and talk at the same time? And it's my name that's on that jag, so remove your bags, let me call you a cab. Yeah. Now that's how you do a kiss off song. Exactly. None of this inviting someone over for dinner so you can ask them to go out the door again or asking them out for a pizza and then whining like a little bitch in public for half an hour while the pizza goes exactly. cold, even you pizza wasting fuckstick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I actually like this slightly more than I remembered. The, the song's not that strong, but it's good lyrics. And she does, speaking of, in the video, she does quite a good acting performance. She's just like watching this scrub movie stuff at the house. Yeah. He's got this pathetic, he's got what looks like a bowling trophy and a very old VHS 
machine <laughs> like under one arm and then she keeps sort of she's like shooing him out of the house the whole time and then they get down to the driveway and then she grabs um she grabs his lapel to lean in you think she's going to give him one last goodbye kiss and then she like peels his jacket off his back and like folds it over her arm <laughs> it's like that's mine as well <laughs> motherfucker it is yeah no I, I agree it is a good music video she does that acting part well and yeah look you're right, musically it's not the strongest song, but um, she delivers that chorus that's quite catchy. Yeah, with I, the I intensity could still remember and it's that. Good, so. Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. Uh, 50 cents, 33 million for Beyonce. Yep, that's a lot, but that's expected. Good times. Cool. All right, well, thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Sure. We're done. Um, we'll be back next week with 2007. Ooh, getting futuristic. Which is, it's, we're, we're fast approaching present day. So um, there'll be more Rihanna coming up soon. So sure. enjoy. See ya. See ya.